last episode was just a disaster. The show yeah. itself was great, but the stuff that you guys didn't hear was a yeah, everything that could have gone wrong. The computer crashed, a buddy came over and his car broke down and it had to get towed out. It was uh Locked ourselves out of the studio. A friend of ours had his, <laughs> he's got a Mercedes uh, C63 AMG yeah. with a Magnuson supercharger on it. And it's doing just under 700 horse. And yeah. he came over just to hang out with us and sit on the couch and yeah. just have fun. And we went out. We paused between segments. And we went out to get a breather outside because it's hot as ass in here. <laughs> so hot. And he's like, we're like, oh, kind of cool. And he was showing off his uh, supercharger. And you're like, oh, yeah. Does it run well? And he, and he says, yeah. Yeah, it does. And so there's a cul-de-sac. Yeah. Just, I don't know. What is that? 100 yards from our yeah. front door? 200 yards. Like that. And he lights it up and starts doing donuts because he's that kind of guy. Just, yeah. it, it, there's, there's no the way, one around By the way, we did here. not condone it. And it was in the middle of nighttime at and by the way in an industrial park that's where we are we're in an industrial park and he's doing donuts and all of a sudden i mean it's a plume of smoke can't all i can see is headlights well what was funny is the plume of smoke was illuminated from inside yes it was (laughs) yeah yeah it was and then all of a sudden it stopped it sort of looked like and i thought you shook a uh, snow globe and you had a flashlight on the other side is sort of what oh yeah i guess so. so then all of a sudden it stopped and i thought well, that's weird. I wonder, I hope he didn't crash, hit a curb. Because some, you know, it's like Mustang. Right. So every Mustang, right? right? Cars and coffee. Seen? Yeah, cars and <laughs> so Anyway, so, so then he, he comes back up at about a mile an hour back towards us. Very and slowly. he had thrown his uh, supercharger the, belt. The, the supercharger belt. Well, well no, no, not serpentine super, belt. So it took everything, everything with it. Everything went yeah. with it. Exactly right. So I used my AAA and we Got put him on home. a flatbed yeah. and the whole thing. And so that was that was thing A. Yeah. Then thing B is we leave. Yeah. And I'm about a mile away now. There's a guy completely buck naked yeah. running past back and forth in front of our studio door. And so that that happened. Yeah. And so I, I was there was a cop right behind me and I said, Hey, you're closer to the cop. You yeah. go talk to him and so that what the cop said, yeah. uh, what? So I chased down the cop in the truck, flashed my lights, he we we slow down while we're driving. I go Hey, there's a naked man running around our <laughs> studio, and he goes, "Oh, that's the guy I'm looking for." I go, "Well, you're looking in the wrong spot. Follow me. I'll take you there." Yeah. Uh, and as I'm leading the cop back, he, the cop pulls over to the side of the road, waiting for his partner. And I turn down our cul-de-sac, kind of pointing, like, "Yeah, he's still here." And so I'm waiting for the cop. The guy's running around. As the second cop car arrives, the dude runs down the street and starts chasing a kid on a bike. What? <laughs> I didn't tell you that. No. Oh, yeah. What? Yeah. Why? So some kids dri- riding his bike from McDonald's, just going down the street there. And uh, the crazy dude sees him and just starts hucking after him, and then that's when both cops like got oh, right they lit on it up and oh, yeah, 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 they're yeah, like, he's yeah, not yeah. going to get a kid on a yeah, bike. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. so that was a crazy show last week. Yeah. And uh, yes, <laughs> I don't know where to go from there. <laughs> where do you go from a naked guy? I don't know. I don't know. We we got to talk about. I that. know where you go. Yeah, you go straight to your Nissan dealership and you get that image <laughs> right out of your mind, and you check out an all new Nissan Titan or Good Frontier. Segue. Ten points for that segue. <laughs> you absolutely do. Yeah, scrub your mind by seeing some beautiful. Beautiful Titans, and see how finely crafted the interiors are. And when you see the warranty, you're like, what? Yeah, five-year, 100,000 mile. Yes, and I love the billet aluminum. What do you call them? The, not the Utilitrax. Utilitrax, thank yep. you. And those are super tricks. So Hundreds handy. of pounds per cleat. Each cleat is metal, and uh, there's a rail on the sides, as everybody else has. Um, although the cleat can be moved at any point in the bed rather than just hard points as certain uh, competitors have and there's rails in the floor and at the head of the bed so you have tons of options and the rails in the down. floor are protected by rubber strips yeah, to keep, keep out sand the sand and oh, it's brilliant, yeah, brilliant. Yeah. the moral of the story here guys is that you're going to be surprised by how much the Nissan Titan delivers so go to your Nissan dealer and check it out we have a huge show but first 
the truck show. We're gonna show you what we know. We're gonna answer what the truck, cause truck rides with the truck show. We have the lifted, we have the lowered, and everything in between. We'll talk about trucks that run on diesel and the ones that run on gasoline. The truck show, the truck show, the truck show. Truck Show with your hosts, Lightning and Holman. Hey, we're that's back. That's us, that's us. I'm Lightning, he's Holman. People ask us, like, hey, you guys going to do, like, a Facebook Live? And we're like, no, nah, we're no, ugly. It's not, not going to happen. Although I, I kind of feel like one of these times we're recording, we should just do it for, like, five or ten minutes for no other reason just to shock people. Just and then they'll be like, why did you do that? Yeah, exactly. Why? I prefer the audio version, guys. <laughs> Although, you know, we've been getting a lot of, uh, a lot of emails lately where, where people who are local have still been asking for a uh, listener meetup where they want to hang out on the casting couch with us. I would be okay with that. Yeah. I'd be interested in, because I really, uh, I like personal stories. I'd yeah. love to, you know, dig into someone's head. Do you head. think we could get some people here and then just ask what they do, why they listen to the Absolutely. podcast? Absolutely. So here's the It's deal. not why do you listen to the podcast cuz I hopefully we share a common bond. I think that would be a given. What I do, what I would like to find out is I'm always interested in is why trucks for you? Yeah. Why That'd not awesome. why not a Honda Civic? Why not a Cadillac? Why why a truck for you? I'm always interested in that. And usually a friend of mine who I got a job for um, at the Peterson Automotive Museum, he was in the marketing department and he started Car Stories. He was a fan of podcasting, and he's like, "What do I do?" What do I? And I said, "Well, just get, you know, we talked about it. Like, get why don't you just poke around and get the history? Why why are they there? Why are they into cars?" He goes, "That's perfect." So he started Car Stories, That's which, awesome. by the way, pretty consistently beats us yeah, in the iTunes yeah. ratings. Um, but it's a it's a great concept, and I, but I really like that because everyone's got a story at the end of the day. Like, what was your first car story, or why why what is it about trucks for you? All right, so we need to figure out a date, and we need to order pizza, and we need to just tell our listeners, hey, but before we we'll put on Facebook, yeah, before we do that though, we have to eradicate our ant issue. Oh my God, there's I've crushed like forty of them. Already. I know that guys, you you're like everyone, ha- yeah. you think we're joking? We're not. We're joking. covered in freaking ants, well, and there's yeah. a line in our restroom out here of marching ants, and there's no food, there's no trash, there's nothing in here. No, we emptied everything out, and so I like I said, I don't know what is in here. We're, I figure we're not here for a week. They'll just all die because there's no food, right? They're eating they're something. S- yeah, they're here. What do they eat? I don't know, but they're on my leg right now. I wish they weren't. I mean. Terminix, I guess if you work for a company, call us and, and we'll have you out here or something. <laughs> yeah, but. come out in your uh, base Nissan Titan work truck from Terminix <laughs> and uh, we'll talk trucks and you can kill our amp. Are they, are they Nissan? Do they drive Nissans? Uh, yeah, some of them do. Yeah, there's a ton of uh, a ton of um, exterminators who right. have uh, Nissan Frontiers. Perfect. I see them all the time. That'd be awesome. All right, all right so we got a big show for you. The first uh, guest we're going to have is Chris Piva. Chris is the Ford Performance Engineer for Vehicle Dynamics, and he's working on the Raptor program. Yeah, that's his area of responsibility is the suspension on the Raptor. So talk about a pretty important guy in the truck world. Chris has some new news to share with us about the But uh, he's model. one of those unsung heroes, so you've yep. probably never heard his name, but he's yep. the guy. Well, you know his work. If you know the Raptor, you know his work. You definitely do. And we've also got uh, Dennis Pitsenbarger, and Dennis is on the show uh, Sticker Shock. He's yeah. the host of Sticker Shock. So he's Shock. A, a buddy of mine and uh, just got a uh, season one, just wrapped up of Sticker Shock on uh, Discovery Channel. 
And uh, there's a bunch of kind of cool old trucks and some stories that went with it. And we love trucks and we love stories. So I asked him if he wouldn't mind coming on and sharing some of that with us. If you and haven't so. seen the show, you should check it out. It's like antique road show yeah. for, for, for car enthusiasts, basically. Pretty much, yeah. It's the same concept, yeah. right? Bring them your car. They put a value on it. And you're either happy or you walk Yeah, you there's know, four appraisers. And, you, and they yeah. look and they, they cover everything. They cover weird European stuff and American trucks and hot rods. And they shut a lot of people down. They're like, yeah. eh, it ain't worth Although there's been thought. a few where they're like, it's way more valuable than you thought. And people are just like, it's funny, the guy who's like, yeah, it's worth half a million. And they're like, he, dude, it's 25000 And then there's the right. other guy who's like, I think it's worth like a thousand bucks. And they're like, actually, it's worth like 50000 The guy's like, oh my God, I had no <laughs> idea. You know? So it's, it's funny just to see the reactions and the stories that go behind the cars. And, and it's just, it's, it's, it's a cool show. Yeah, so what, uh, what we haven't told you yet is uh, somebody may have- Not you. Yeah, I'm going to admit to that. May have locked us out of our own studio. So I buzzed the door with my key card, put my wallet and key card on the desk, and realized I left my Dr. Pepper in the truck. And I walked right on outside, and the door went click, and I went, oh. Wah, 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 wah. I really should yeah. have that sound effect. You should, I? you yeah. should. Fortunately, uh, Jason was nearby, and he was driving a brand new- uh, 2018 GMC Denali HD. So we said, hey, could you come let us into the studio? And, uh, oh, by the way, we could talk about your new truck. So we have a new segment that uh, Jason will be premiering with us on this show. You want to do it now? Yeah, let's get into it. Hey, Jason, let's talk trucks. Jason! Jason, come here. here. All right, oh, J- Jason, on. you got to, yeah, you got to get in here because... So first off, thank you for rescuing us because it was getting, it's like 95 degrees well, out in even, Santa Ana today. That's not even the worst part of it. It's just I had my wallet, my keys, my phone, and everything locked inside the studio. And I went, if, oh, if crap. He'd be like, like, if Jason's like, now nah, I'm in San Diego, we would have been screwed. <laughs> no, I would have started calling my Rolodex of every person I know who lives within like a 10-mile radius of the studio. Yeah, exactly. All right, Jason, um, I think we're going to create a new segment because I'm dying to know about your uh, your truck out there. Because last time I saw you, you, were, you weren't rolling a 2018. L5P Denali, you know, Duramax. No, so, the, the 2018 Denali is our new long-term test vehicle at Truck Trend. I want to hear about this. Yeah, Hold on, so, let's, let's so, launch our new segment here. Yeah, we, we have to do this segment because this is like new truck season, so there's going to be a ton of my guys going out and, and uh, reviewing the trucks for the magazine, so we got to do it for the podcast because people have been asking, oh, what about this new truck? What about that new truck? So might as well start with an L5P uh, Denali, huh? All right, time let's for do it. a review. Truck review. Okay. Uh, oh, maybe, maybe, man. Yeah, maybe. That was... So I... Who did that? Uh, well, oh. Yeah, one, one of my friends. All right. Well, <laughs> we, we need better friends. Uh, or thank you. I'm not okay. sure. Jason, tell us how long have you had the new Duramax, the, uh, the GMC Denali? So we picked up our 2018 GMC Sierra 2500 HD Denali about two months ago in okay. Michigan. Drove it out here to the West Coast. We'll have it for another well, you 10 said, months. You said we. Was that you? You drove it all the way out here? I did, yeah. How was the journey? That's, I mean, that's the best way to, f- you know. More importantly, what was your fuel economy on that whole trip? The truck was averaging about 20. Wow. It, it, out on the open road, the open highway, it did fantastic. No and that kidding. was brand new engine, not even broken in. Wow. In town, the truck gets about 14. But, which is, is about right. Which is about right for such a big what, um, heavy truck. How many miles do you have on it now? Just over 6,000. Okay, so, so you're almost broken in, probably. It's getting there. We just, six to ten, somewhere in that range. Just ran out the first tank of def, so six thousand miles. Yes. So half an oil change. Yeah. It was ten thousand miles or so. Seventy five hundred. So pretty oh, close. Okay. All right. Pretty close. Yeah. How about it's it's diesel six six Duramax, and how are the regens doing? Because uh, I'm curious. Everyone's like, oh my god, it re- they, they, some people say that they regen all the time. Other guys are like, no, it's every two thousand miles. What was your experience so far coming across the, the country? This truck regens pretty frequently. 
Out on the open highway, it wasn't very often coming across the country, but in town, it does it quite often. And you can always tell because it has a burning garbage smell when it's regenerating. Oh, wow. <laughs> I've heard that, but it doesn't, it doesn't last very long, though, right? Or is it like 20 minutes? It's like 20 minutes to get it to burn off. So again, this is all about diesel appropriateness, right? We talked about that in previous podcasts where if you're driving every single day and it's a five-mile commute to work, you're going to plug that thing up fast and it's going to tell you, hey, I need a highway, you know, I I need some highway time to regen. If you're commuting- Let's explain for those guys who drive gas trucks that don't know what a regen is. So it's basically the diesel particulate filter gets clogged up with diesel particulate and uh, it'll use uh, fuel to- heat it up to a point to burn everything out of that. So if you're not working the truck, you're not towing, you're not you know under load to where your EGTs are high enough to burn it off on its own, it's collecting. So a low load use case, you know, like a commuting or something like that, just right. s- or stop and go where you have acceleration braking, acceleration braking, you're going to clog things up a lot sooner well, because if you're, you're dri- not working if, the engine. If you're driving the, like a Corvette, you know what I mean? If you're on the throttle all the time and it's not in boost and it's throwing a lot of fuel at the yeah. turbo, trying to spool it up, you're going to you're going to have more unburnt fuel that's clogging this thing up. And if you cut open a DPF filter, it kind of looks like pumice stone inside, doesn't it? Yeah. It kind of looks it's like a really tight honeycomb mm-hmm. material, and it just captures all this unburnt fuel. Yep. Anyway, so it's a big thing in the diesel community. Like all these guys, like they want to delete, and they're always talking about how many regions. Then when are they going to wear out their DPF filter? Well, because, what's funny is you like, think about like how much power these things make now versus what where they were at, let's say, ten years ago or fifteen years ago. And you have everything from the factory with a warranty that you would ever want or what you were ever asking for 10 years ago. And people are now complaining that the trade-off is, you know, they they regen. It's like, really? Because at the end of the day, that's a pretty small trade-off for the amount of power and and drivability that you have in these new trucks. Well, something's in, and Jason, you can talk to this. Um, The guys are wanting, they want to delete the DPF and the DEF and the uh, SCR and the EGR and all the emission stuff because they think they can get a lot more power out of it according to guys like Gail Banks, there's not a lot more power to be had or in Steve its Steve Sanders form. at Cummins, who was talking about how, you know, there's the, a couple of years of trucks you might avoid if you want to do aftermarket stuff too, but the later ones that have DPF and, and SCR and all those things work really well and you're getting power and fuel economy out of it. So, What was your experience? What do you think? Was it down on power, Jason, when it was going through regen or no? No. You, when the truck regens, there's really nothing you can tell from the driver's seat. If you're just driving down the road like normal it drives like it's a normal truck. Really? The way to tell is it smells hot when you get out. And you're like, okay, it was regening when we were doing that. And in this new 2018 truck, we don't even see the dip in fuel economy that you're other diesels me. have had when they regen. At least it's so little that on the display gauge and on the actual average mile per gallon, we don't see the hit. Although I will say on the GM trucks, because our little 2.8 Duramax in the Colorado is, is the same way, and I, I think the DIC software is the same between the two trucks, they don't tell you how much DEF you have left. They just say, DEF, okay. Right, right until right, it's not. Right. Like, you don't have a, like in a RAM, there's actually a, a DEF or DEF gauge that tells you full through empty. On the GMs, it's just a computer screen that says, hey, okay, buddy. You know, it doesn't well, it's, say. It's you're kind of like, uh, see, you, got, you, you always make fun of me because one of my, I have a truck, but I also have a Mini Cooper. And there's, n- they're all, there's only one dummy light. There's an engine light, and that's it. They, they want you to drive in bliss. They don't want you to yeah. know what's really going on with the engine. And I think GM chose to omit many of those things. They don't want you to know when it's necessarily regening or when, you know, where the death fluid is. So whether you get maybe Yeah, they a, want the user experience for the lowest common denominator. They want the person who doesn't know anything about trucks to be able to drive it and not worry about, you know, a light telling them or a gauge telling them. Although I would argue in the heavy duty truck market or the truck market in general, we like our gauges. I'd like to have a gauge. 
So interesting you bring up the def gauge, because we actually just ran this truck completely out of def. Oh, yeah. Just to see what would happen. Yep. And what does happen? You get about 1,500 miles of warning on it. So nobody has any excuse. Yeah. So it starts out with a 1,000-mile warning at 30% full. That's where it switches from good to it's going to tell you something. Interesting. So if you get an aftermarket gauge, maybe like a, a Bank Side Dash or the Edge CTS2, there is it actually will give you a percentage from all the way yeah. down to, you know, from 100 down to down to 5%. Once again, the aftermarket comes through with uh, the solution that we like, right? <laughs> right. Jason, give us a review of 2018 Denali. Uh, suspension, infotainment, etc. The one thing to know is it's an older truck. What was new about that truck and what wanted our pickup truck of the year was the engine. The new L5P is what made it eligible. So if you're buying a Denali, you're getting the same truck you got from 2015 on. The thing rides like a dream for a three-quarter ton. It's still a brick. The uh, the only thing I would add to that is is the only ride motions I don't like on the 2018 truck, where I think some of the other trucks ride a little bit better, is over those like truck heaves on the freeway. You run out of suspension pretty quick, and you can kind of top out in the GM. It gets a little little bouncy, a little pogoy in, in some places. But otherwise, handles and could you and tell me, good. Jason? Could you tell the difference between like a concrete and an asphalt highway? I mean, because some some trucks don't like the concrete. It's like eleven feet, you yeah. know, in sections. Duh, 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 duh. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it depends on if it's broken up, cracked concrete. It, it gets a good rhythm going, a good buck. Okay, but it's it's a three quarter ton. It's just okay. made for hauling. Has eighty pounds of air in the tires. It's what it does. Compare but, the uh, let's go let's go back to uh, the, the creature comforts inside. And were there any that you fell in love with that you hadn't had? in previous models not that we haven't had in previous models but the big shining star of these trucks is the 4g lte wi-fi it is fantastic uh, i was a hater until i lived with one a couple years ago for a year and now I, I can't live without it in a gm product because we can work yeah. from anywhere do anything stream anything it's fantastic we've got it in the zr2 as well mm-hmm. and driving cross-country with my daughter she's able to be on her ipad but more importantly i've been out driving where i have a really important email or for a meeting that i have to you know I'll pull off the highway I can do everything from the truck still and be able to answer that on the fly rather than having to go find Wi-Fi somewhere yeah, to upload a file. In, in some something. scuzzy McDonald's poaching <laughs> Wi-Fi. Well, wait a minute. I, I don't really, so so I, I don't really understand. You've, you've got, you know, 4G LTE on your phone. You can tether it to your device. Is it just the fact that now you don't have to tether yeah, you your have to laptop? Use, you have to, to use to your, your data. You can support up to, was it five or six? It's a bunch of devices. Yeah, a bunch of different devices. Um People, they, they come with a general password and people don't change it. So sometimes on the freeway, you can pick up somebody else's and just, <laughs> just drive in their bi- blind spot and steal their Wi-Fi. Oh, can you name them? Because that <laughs> yes. would be fun. No, you can. Yeah. You can name it just like a normal? Huh? Oh, wow. Yeah. So you do all that stuff. Because um, my Wi-Fi is get off my lawn. It used to be the Death Star, and now it's get off my lawn. <laughs> get off my Wi-Fi. Get yeah. off my internet. Yeah. Uh, but no, they, it's faster. Uh, you're not worried about charge, you know, the charge on your phone or anything like that. You know, Obviously, it's the vehicle. So um, it's nice when you're... When you're parked somewhere and you just have the vehicle, you know, in the on position or whatever. A GM claims better antennas because yeah. they're able to have bigger, more powerful antennas, which we've noticed is true. The yeah. truck can get better Wi-Fi reception or better cell service than our phones can at times. Yeah. And, and so you had to sign up a contract or they had it when you got the truck? It's part of the uh, it loan. It comes with the truck as part yeah. of the loan. But if you're gotcha. a consumer, you sign up with yeah. OnStar. But they give six months to a year for free yeah, now. Six of it. Of it. It's pretty decent and it's cheap to buy the data from them. What am I getting in a 2018 Denali that I'm not getting in, say, uh, Chevy Silverado, I don't know, LTZ? Like, what are my, what's that extra 10 grand going towards? A uh, ruby plastic in the middle of the badge? <laughs> That's I mean, a damn good question. <laughs> you really don't know? I, I think but, it's, uh, d- you know, you get the cachet of Denali, which is sort of a brand at GMC, sort of brand within a brand. 
Um, you, get, you get the wheels are yeah. not only specific. You get the grill, the, the grill, the trim, the trimming is all yeah. specific. So like you get brakes are the same. Yeah, everything's the same. The running okay. gear is all the yeah, same yeah. on them. Gotcha. Um, they're dampened better inside, so you get a quieter cabin than the equivalent Chevrolet product. Oh, they are. So they are. Have so we torn one more... apart? To, have we torn one apart to know if they're? Why would they... I tear apart somebody else's eighty thousand dollar truck? No, I don't mean like destroy it. I mean like like take it take one of the door panels off to see if there's a you know how they usually how, when how we lined them you know when we go to press things they have all that stuff pulled apart for you. Gotcha. On, on, yeah, on they're, they're pretty open with what they do these days and saying this one has more sound deadening. That's what makes it special. Now that's the, why you want the Denali. The real interesting thing is with the 2019 half tons, there are several major things that GMC Sierras are getting that Chevy's not. So for really the first time uh, in a long time. GMC has product offerings that you cannot get at Chevy, which I understand caused a little internal strife at the company, but they really want to position GMC as premium. And so there's quite a few things coming out on the new truck that well, tailgate. Tailgate, yeah. That's one of them, the carbon yeah. fiber bed. Now, do you have the tailgate in that thing, Jason? No, because it's an HD and it's the older truck. I suspect we'll see that multi-pro yeah. tailgate for the 2020 HD. Yeah. But when they get now. redesigned with the new body style. This oh, is, I see. This HD is always lag behind yeah. the half tons. Gotcha. Jason, I know that there's a couple of different configurations between the GMC and the Silverado and the and the gauges. Like there's some different you can get analog or or color digital. Which configuration do you have in the uh, 2018? And the our, Denali. Our Denali has the uh, color digital screen. The only gauges that are analog on it are the tack and the speedometer. Everything else in between is configurable and it's digital. And did you like it? I mean, how's that uh what's how's the user interface? Are you happy I, with it? I love it. It's the same one that's been in the truck for a couple of years now, so we've had some time with it. And okay. the different functions that it does are great. One thing that we found a little annoying about this truck is on our road trip, we discovered that the fuel gauge is perfectly linear on wait, it. Wait, wait, that's good. Because, dude, I that would he, always drove me completely he, he's, mad. He's, all, he's only used to the old way. So for people that who... Is, that is not good because the fuel gauge is linear, but the digital readout is not, and they don't agree. Oh, interesting. Wait, yeah. wait. Well, it's wait, funny wait, because wait, we were in a... You're melting my We brain. were in a Tahoe, and I had the distance to empty on it, and it ran out of fuel short of that. So you know that That's story. That's the exact yeah. same thing that almost happened yeah. to us. So you guys were laughing at me. Yes. But so for, for those of you listening, if you've, know, if you've owned a GM product in the past, there's a, a philosophy that General Motors had called a um, perception of fuel economy. And that philosophy meant that their gauge wasn't linear with the usage of fuel in the tank. And what GM used to do to kind of game the system is the first part of the needle sweep was always way slower. Oh, my than, God. This is on purpose? Yes. You have no yes. idea how many people I've discussed this no, no, with. GM literally, literally Oh, you're blowing my mind. Literally Google GM perceived fuel economy and you'll there's been articles written about it. So the fuel gauge never matched up with actual use. And then all of a sudden you'd go real slow in the beginning to feel like yes, the well, first, after you filled the, up. The top quarter, yes. the top three quarters yeah. of your tank took forever right. to burn. And then all through. of a sudden it went Wham! Right, yeah, and you run out of fuel because you're used to it being so slow, and all of a sudden you go through your gauge. Why fuel economy they, wait, has wait, not wait, changed. Wait, 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 why would they have done that on purpose? Perceived fuel economy. That does no yes. because then you hit, you hit the, the the you know the halfway mark, and then it slams no, 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 to zero. I, I, I get that, but what I'm saying is GM wanted their consumers to feel like they were getting a ton of fuel economy in range, so they slowed the needle sweep in the early. You know, I don't know what the year range is at, but it was a philosophy of General Motors for a very long time. That went all the way up to at least 2015 or 2016 that I'm aware of. Now, you're saying that that's different now? So you're saying it's it's even all the way through and it totally met, uh, so... It is. If you fill it up at exactly half a tank, it'll take exactly half a tank. So we were watching <laughs> the distance to empty gauge 
after the first, we picked up the truck in Detroit, hadn't put fuel in it at all, full, full tank, drove it to Nashville, the low fuel light finally comes on, says 70 miles to empty. We run it until it says out of fuel or fuel range low, whip off the highway, put 35 and a half gallons in a 36 gallon tank. Oh my Th- Thinking God. we had another 50 miles of range on the truck and the gauge was sitting on the E and it it was empty. And since then, I've been watching it because we log every mile we drive on this truck, and it is perfectly linear. Oh, my Lord. I'm so happy. I'm what, delighted. What, that's an actual thing? I'm delighted that, it's it, 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 yeah, what it says on the gauge is actually what's in the tank. And by the way, GM's not the only one to do this. Oh, There's I'm aware of that, but but I just figured it was a it was the, the mechanism, the float in the tank itself was on some type of non-linear actuator. That is what I was thinking, that it was just a screw-up, and for whatever no. reason, it just they all just stuck with that design, maybe of, for, for cost reasons or something. I had no idea that it was they, no. they were trying to game us psychologically. No, and I, and I, know, I know that with GM's new uh, computer, I don't know, architecture, I guess, the, the gauges are, like Jason's talking about, a lot more accurate, and they've designed that accuracy in there. They don't have... As far as I know, they don't do the perceived fuel economy anymore, but that was a, that was a thing in the day. Got it. Oh, my God, Jason, you blew my mind. Yeah, and for people coming out of old trucks, E does not mean extra 10 miles anymore. No. It no, means not empty. at all. No. It means pullover. Me, e means uh, enough driving already? Yeah. <laughs> all right, well, Jason, what do you have in the magazine coming up then in uh, Truck Trend that we need to know about? Anything uh, that we're looking for? Anything that you've written that you're like you're excited that we're about to see in the no, coming... No. Nobody reads magazines anymore. No, okay. Online, dude. All your... All your goes online. That's not true. Lots of people <laughs> read magazines. Be and we proud need, of your job. We need Robert. everybody here to read magazines. Thank you. The next issue of Truck Trend that's hitting newsstands in about a month has road trip stories in it. We did a whole slew of them that included the road trip with bringing our Sierra HD Denali back and the road trip that Holman did with the Colorado, along with another family drive in a Durango SRT. We had a trip that followed the San Andreas Fault from start to finish. Or finish to start. Wait, how what? They do it. Yeah, in a Mercedes G wagon and Porsche McCann Turbo, of all vehicles. <laughs> yeah, why not? Right? Because okay. why not? Fresh be on the stands in a couple weeks. It'll have a uh, Chevy, a 2019 Chevy Silverado on the cover. As a matter of fact, because we have the drive of that with the 2.7 liter I4 engine in there. And some of those uh, stories can be found at trucktrend.com right now. All of those stories can be found at trucktrend.com right now. All right, well, Jason, thank you for, A, for being the editor-in-chief of Truck Trend, because we love it, and B, for bailing us out and, and letting us in our studio. Otherwise, we wouldn't be doing this right now. We'd be <laughs> out in front swearing in the heat. Absolutely. <laughs> I'd like to say any time, but uh, Sean got lucky this time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, dude, thank you. Hello? Mr. Chris Paiva, Lightning and Holman from the Truck Show Podcast. How are you doing? Hey, what's going on, guys? What's <laughs> happening? Oh, nothing. Just uh, hanging out in Salt Lake City right now. Oh, good. You're not on the uh, East Coast. No, I'm not. I'm actually uh, in Salt Lake City checking out the uh, the Raptor Assault School there at um, uh, Utah Motorsports Campus. Yes, I've heard that is freaking awesome. Yeah, the Ford, the Ford Racing School guys there uh, at UMC really do put on a, a fantastic program for those Raptor owners. Now, let me, let me ask you this, uh, Chris. There at the Ford Performance School there, are there naked men running around um, like there are at our studio? Uh, luckily, luckily, I saw no naked men running around uh, the racetrack there. Uh, always yes. a good day when that happens. So we should probably uh, introduce you as a 
Ford Performance Engineer for Vehicle Dynamics, and uh, your area of responsibility is the the Raptor. Yeah, for sure. So um, I'm the lead vehicle dynamics engineer for Raptor. I'm also um, the lead uh, development test driver. Um, I do all the the chassis development, you know, spring shocks, uh, stabilizer bars, tires. You know, I do all the tuning on just the, the little uh, things. Chassis. Nothing that really yeah. matters when you're doing a high speed performance <laughs> off road truck, right? So what yeah, you're exactly. saying, what you're saying, Chris, is that you actually have the inside job. The truck show, the truck show, the truck show, vroom, vroom. The truck show, the truck show. It's time for the inside job. The inside, the inside, the inside job. We'll talk to an industry expert about how things are worky work work. So, uh, Chris, uh, you think Chris is still there after that? Yeah, I don't think so, but <laughs> I'm wondering if he'll tell us how the uh, Raptor worky work works. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That, that's quite the introduction, guys. <laughs> Sorry about that. A <laughs> uh, long-term Raptor just went back to uh, Ford, our four-wheeler pickup truck of the year. So I had a chance to spend a year and about 20,000 miles in one of them. So I love the truck, but we were reading through press releases the other day, and coming across my desk was something that said the Raptor just got better for 2019. I said, no. Which we kind of scratched our heads and said, <laughs> not possible. There, there's no way. <laughs> How nope. could that be? Yeah. <laughs> you know what it was like? I heard that in the uh, in the 1800s, the, um, the guy who was in charge of the U.S. Uh, patent and trademark, he wanted to shut down the patent department because everything had been invented. Right. And they're like, no, 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 and he, he he tried to stop it and shut the whole thing down. This is that's how we feel. Well, We're like, no, it can't get any better. Well, it's like the second generation Raptor came out. It's like, uh, you know, screw the two point five. We're gonna go three point body shocks. Yeah, uh, you know, you like those internal bypass. We're gonna make it better. Oh yeah, you need more wheel travel. Boom. And then you're going like, <laughs> seriously, there's more travel. There's a bigger shock. It's all the things that you want. And then here you come again. Well, we added live valve, and so. Other than my uh, my co-host here thinking that uh, they work with magnets. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a long story. No, Let's yeah, not get, I don't want to take we Chris down that, that road. Yeah. <laughs> so tell us. Uh, I, I think this is the same technology that we're used to uh, in the UTV space that's been upscaled, hopefully, uh, for, for Raptor and kind of want to know all about it and how it makes the truck better. Yeah, for sure. So, um, you know, semi-active suspensions are nothing uh, really new in the, uh, the automotive space, but it is something that is really never been done before, like in an OE off-road truck. Um, so basically, you know, using a active damper, so a damper that's basically um, changing based on the road conditions to, you know, help control the body motions, control the steering, control the, um, you know, kind of the overall composure of the vehicle. You know, as you as you go down the road, as the surfaces change, if you go on-road, off-road, right, the, the shock is really adapting um, and optimizing its performance as you as you go along your day. And Chris, so, this is doing it electronically, or it's doing with magnets. <laughs> so, <laughs> with so magnets, is, you can't turn yeah, my joke so, on me. Yeah, stop it. Yeah, so it is doing it electronically. Um, so there's a uh, electronic solenoid. Um, basically, we we built off that internal bypass technology that's kind of been tried and true um, ever since the the original Raptor in 2010. Um, so. Uh, we added this this hydraulic solenoid that basically adds um, a hydraulic pressure preload 
to the base valve. That's maybe getting a little little engineer nerdy, but basically it, it allows the vehicle to add compression damping uh, actively based, you know, again, based on the surface conditions. And the way um, I understood it from the press release is that it's all tied together and the Raptor actually knows when it's left the ground and there's no more droop and actually will stiffen up for landing so that your compression is at a harder setting. Yeah. So um, we've added ride height sensors to the front control arms, right? So we basically know where in its travel the wheels are. It's it's monitoring those those front wheel positions. And when it sees them go all the way to the full rebound position, it basically says, okay, I'm either in the air or I'm very, very close to being in the air. So I'm going to fire the shocks to full stiff, right? It's the, opposite. Amazing. it's the opposite of an airplane. The airplane knows it's in the air when the landing gear goes up. The Raptor knows yeah. it's in the air when the landing gear is down. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That, what, exactly. What went into developing this, Chris? We, uh, we kind of started with... Um, like the uh, the active suspension or, or semi-active suspension that's um, currently available on some of our SUVs, like the Expedition Navigator. Um, so we leveraged some of the hardware bits, like like those front uh, ride height sensors I told you about, uh, what we call the vehicle dynamics module, which is actually like a uh, a computer that that does all the calculations. Um, and and, that, and that's added, and that's in the ECU or it's external. It's an ECU that's dedicated to the uh, to the shocks. Oh right? wow! So it's, okay, yeah. So um, that's mounted in the, the left side kick panel there. Um, and basically, we developed our own uh, control algorithms uh, internal to Ford Performance for both on-road and off-road. Um, so on-road, it does a lot of the things that you would see, uh, you know, some of our Mustangs do or that Expedition Navigator. It does, um, like in a turn when you steer, uh, it stiffens up the outside dampers to make the truck a little sporty, a little sportier, a little more precise, um, give the truck a little bit, you know, more of a, a, not a sports car, but a little sportier of a feel, you know? Right, um, right. And I'm, I'm a huge fan of the Raptor, as you know. And, you know, if there were any uh, areas that I would love to see improved, it's a little bit more rebound control in the rear when empty and going over the whoops. And also yep. over broken pavement when you're under load or under throttle, when you're doing like a decreasing radius turn, the truck tends to skitter a little bit over the top of the yep. surface or even yep. becomes a little bit, not really skittish, but but a little bit light if you're doing probably like seven, eight tenths and you're on top of the whoops and you're like dunk, 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 dunk. The, the truck yeah. kind of moves around a little bit. Now, does the live valve shocks have anything to do with, with making the truck feel more planted? You said sportier on the street. Does it affect those types of uh, steering and, and drive inputs? Yeah, so so in those off-road um, kind of environments, like you talked, we developed three kind of main off-road alg- control algorithms for for the truck. Um, one is that jump mode we already talked about. Uh, one is please tell me it's called jump mode. Is it called jump mode? <laughs> it is actually called. Yeah, jump. everybody jump, yeah. jump, jump, everybody yeah. jump. Wait, are we crisscross all of a sudden? I don't know. I don't know. I don't think so. Okay. <laughs> yeah. We are two uh, fat, two... balding white guys in a <laughs> studio in Santa Ana with a naked man running out. Wait a minute. Right. So we our pants are not backwards, and we're not. Uh, okay. No, that's right. not true. Not wearing crazy color. Okay, <laughs> we're not. Sorry, go ahead, Chris. <laughs> yeah, no problem. And then the other two are called uh, ter- what we call train control, and then loud pedal, right? What's loud right? pedal, what? by the way, no, loud right. pedal is loud opening pedal. for jump. Jump control. Oh, jump control, yeah. Jump control, yeah. <laughs> At Coachella, by yeah, the way. Yeah, that's right. Yes. <laughs> the outdoor stage. Yeah. So what that train control does is basically using those front ride height sensors. Um, it's monitoring the surface when, you're, when your inputs are very, very small, like when you're going over those washboard roads or, you know, kind of cobblestone roads where there's no. Like high uh, frequency, risk. but short, short kind of sharp Ex- stuff. Exactly. Basically when there's no risk of bottoming the truck out. 
the truck basically reduces the damping and and um, makes the truck softer and allows those wheels to move freely and reduces the amount of energy coming in, into the vehicle and make it basically makes it a more comfortable ride. And it also allows the wheels to, you know, stay in contact with the ground a little bit better. So for that, um, you know, kind of skatey feeling or, yeah. uh, you know, kind of yaw control stuff, it, it definitely makes the truck better. And then as those wheels uh, start stroking further and further, uh, like if you start going over larger whoops or larger boulders, uh, it learns in more and more damping to keep the truck from bottoming out. Um, so you kind of get the both, best of both worlds, right? You get better ride comfort and you get better capacity or better, um, you know, like overall big bump capability. Which is which is super awesome. So I'll, I'll tell you, you know, uh, on fourwheeler.com, you can see our report four of four for our last long-term report. And it's a photo of the Raptor flying over some whoops at about 60 miles an hour out in the desert by Barstow. And Were you driving it? Yeah. <laughs> of course you were. And it's got daylight under the wheels. Hauling ass, we wanted to get a action photo for our last photo of sort of the last hurrah for the truck. And I hit a whoop really wonky. And I'm thinking, oh, oh you're going over? This is going to hurt. No, no, not, oh, okay. not like sideways, but okay. just sort of, you know, uh, the Raptor's really good because there's so much uh, wheel travel that if you get in like offset moguls and stuff, the truck's really good about, you know, going sideways through that sort of stuff and, and really being controllable. But it was just, I was in the air and rather than landing past the top of the next bump. Ooh, you landed I into la- it. I landed on the face of it, and I would just pucker. If you were a dirt bike, you would have went over the bars. Oh, for sure. Right. I, I puckered, and the truck goes, Wo-dunk. and I was oh, like, dude! Really? Like, wow. I, was, I was self-cheering. Nobody was in the truck with me, <laughs> and Gonderman was shooting the photos. I'm like, dude, did, did you see that? You did, you high five your, did you high-five yourself? I high-five myself, absolutely. <laughs> so for, for hardcore, um, hardcore enthusiasts, Will will anybody be trying to get in and crack your code and modify um, the suspension algorithms that you've built, or do you think, or do you feel confident that it, this is the best it's going to get? Um, or and the second question is, will this be something that will be will uh, be adapted over time? Like maybe you'll go into the Ford dealer and he'll like, hey, we've got a new tune for your suspension system. Obviously, we, we like to think we've done all we can do, right? But there's always room for improvement. We hope nobody's able to crack the code, right? Like, you know, <laughs> we kind of want to keep that to ourselves, and hopefully, you know, the competitors can't figure it out. Obviously, we want to continually improve the truck. That's kind of what we've done since 2010, like make little, you know, incremental improvements uh, in cycle. As far as being able to go to the dealer and, um, you know, update, update the uh, shocks, if you watch kind of where the automotive industry is going, a lot of these active uh, chassis technologies are sort of becoming the norm and they're, they're getting filtered down into kind of everyday vehicles, right? Um, just everyday SUVs, CUVs, uh, cars. So the aftermarket, um, you'll start to, I think you're going to start seeing the aftermarket embrace some of these technologies. Obviously, Fox will kind of have a jump start on those guys, um, have a jump start on everybody else because we worked with them to develop this technology and they've obviously launched it on the, um, some of the side by sides and, and now with Raptor. But I think, I think you are going to see, um, you know, people be able to leverage this technology in the aftermarket and continue to improve their vehicles for what they need it to be. So Chris, can I, as a consumer, I, can I buy your suspension and retrofit it into my older, or is it, it's built around this Raptor? Yeah. So it, it is right now fully integrated into the truck, right? Okay. So it's, um, it's all, all the wiring is, is overlaid into the main harnesses. 
um, the software is integrated into the the cluster software and the the engine software and the transmission software and the the brake software. Right, it's all you know all integrated into one package. Not saying it can't be done. Um, you can uh with the right knowledge somebody will try right yeah somebody will figure it out <laughs> so what the problem is what happens now is everybody takes off the raptor suspension and goes for some like wazoo bypass you know whatever there's a lot of different kits in the aftermarket then they sell them on ebay to all the f-150 owners for like a lot of cash right they just mm-hmm. took they just killed that aftermarket play because nobody's gonna be able to control the new shocks <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, like you said, I'm sure I'm sure somebody will uh, somebody will figure it out and release an upfit kit. Now, Chris, I'm curious about you for a second. Mm-hmm. Third generation engineer at Ford. How'd you find that out? <laughs> we have our sources. <laughs> yeah, exactly. What's up with that? I I mean, yeah. so can you give me a little history about your your pop and his pop? Yeah, like you said, I'm third generation Ford. Uh, my grandfather started uh, at Ford, couldn't even tell you the year, way back when. He did uh, 32 years at Ford and then retired. My dad just retired uh, three or four years ago. He had 35 years. Um, wow. And I'm in my, yeah, and I'm in my 13th year and don't don't plan on going anywhere. So what was, you know, I, I'm, I'm curious, what was your, your grandpa and your dad's favorite programs that they worked on? And then what was what was your favorite program that you've had the opportunity to be on at, at Ford? Is it Raptor? I, I would have to imagine it's probably <laughs> yeah. high up there. Yes, yeah. So for me, um, being an off road guy, you know, I got into uh, you know off road back when I was in college. Um, I had a Ranger. I think you and I crossed paths multiple times on the uh, yes on the forums. Yep, a few uh, times. <laughs> so I, yeah. So I've always I always been a, an off road guy, a truck guy. Um, so. Raptor F-150 and then you know on top of that Raptor has always been my dream job so this is kind of it right I mean this is the this is this is my dream job I'm living my dream so um so if they fire you you're you're just gonna be you're gonna live in depression forever he's gonna go out in the woods and sit on the tailgate (laughs) and watch the sunset I'm gonna find find an overpass what did you study in school and did you know that this was your destiny or tell me I I do want to go back a little bit again to your grandfather and your father because a lot of the times you you, I find guys are in one way or the other like they either don't want to have anything to do with dad and granddad or they carry on the tradition or their or their dad's a cop and their grandfather's a cop yeah Yeah, exactly so where how did that work out for you no I think you know I sort of have always been brought up as a as a Ford guy right um my dad was a big um performance Ford enthusiast he always had Mustangs one of the first cars I remember was his uh I believe it was an 88 uh Fox um hatchback Mustang yeah um and he's got pictures of me you know in a diaper you know with a plastic camera beating on a cat, <laughs> can you right? send so, that to us we'll put it on our social <laughs> yeah, media yes, please. Yeah. <laughs> at truck show podcast exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so you know that's kind of I, I was I was brought up that way that's always what I wanted to do and um when I was in high school you know uh working shop class on different vehicles kind of decided I wanted to go to mechanical engineering school and it was sort of always in the plan you know I wanted to go work at Ford and you know, hopefully eventually in in the performance division. So uh, you made that's it. Where I am. Congratulations. Yeah, exactly. So so when exactly. you go to Ford, does does having third generation carry any weight? Like do you do they say, Oh yeah, you're automatically in because you have good pedigree? Or do they go, Oh no, not another one? <laughs> you know, I'm still waiting for them to, you know, put my name on the top of headquarters, but that day, that day hasn't come yet. <laughs> what's what what's your what's your goal if you don't mind me asking? Because obviously this is a really cool gig that you have now. Personally, for myself, um, 
I'm really more of a hands-on guy. Like I like working in the shops with the mechanics and, you know, get my hands dirty, rebuilding shocks myself, not having somebody do it for me. I, I haven't really embraced the management mindset yet. Right? You're the cop um, who is a, uh, who's a sergeant out on patrol yeah. and they keep trying to exactly. promote you and you're like, nope, I'm not riding a desk. I want to be out with my guys. <laughs> yep. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> There we go. Well, I, I, I want to <laughs> yeah. go back before we get too far. I'm, I'm curious if there's programs that your grandpa or your dad were really proud of that, uh, yep. that would resonate with, uh, with our listeners. My dad, he worked on the uh, second generation sport track. And I know he has a lot of stories about um, getting that program launched with the independent rear suspension and the, uh, the composite um, box. Dad, yeah, the SMC, yeah. Yep. Yep. So I know he's got a lot of stories of that. That was a, that was a huge challenge for him. And, uh, you know, that, I think that one probably sticks out for him. You know, my grandfather, he worked in, um, vehicle operations. He was a, he was a, um, plant, uh, quality manager for years and years and years. And that was back when, you know, it was the, the plants were not friendly places. Well, That's the, the dude I... who knows where all the bodies are buried. <laughs> literally. Yeah. yeah. They're like, exactly. Hey, Frank just cut his arm off. Ah, just bury him back out back. <laughs> don't, don't tell him there was no OSHA back then. Probably. Right. Yeah, but, exactly. By the way, if anybody is on Instagram, the best freaking Instagram page is OSHA. Is this okay? Just trust me. Check it out <laughs> and spend hours of your time on it. OSHA, is this okay? <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know. I don't know if there was a particular, uh, you know, a particular program that sticks out in my in my grandpa's mind. But um, I know he he worked at the Mala assembly plant um, there in New Jersey, uh, and he's got a lot of. A lot of very interesting stories from there, just working with the union. and uh, It would be interesting. I think it would be the first time we've ever talked to the son and the father and the whole thing you know, at the, from the same company. That'd be kind of cool. That would be interesting. So what's it going to take to get the Truck Show podcast out to Salt Lake City and go driving in Raptors with you around the, uh, the track out there? Uh, you'll have to talk to our communications guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, did I ever tell you the time that I got run over? I mean, is by, there, is, by a Raptor? Uh, no, what? Yeah, no. Yeah, I was shooting uh, the cover for Four Wheeler, and uh, is it? Do we want to tell the story with Chris on the phone? Well, Chris, I think Chris knows the the person. It was he was a very very exceptional uh, off road driver engineer for okay. Ford. Okay, and we were doing some crazy cuts in the sand dunes, and uh, he cut really hard, got it up on two wheels, and I was click click click. But when your eyes buried in a lens, things are a lot closer. The last minute, I tossed my camera down, laid down flat. He saw where I was and pitched it sideways, and I ended up between the two wheels, <gasps> under the truck, but looking up at the door. So, Excuse me? So he pitched it at the last minute, and I went between the wheelbase, between the wheels. So I was perpendicular, so like my feet were under the passenger seat, and yeah. my head was right where the driver door opened. He was pretty freaked out, and it told, nothing hit me or anything, and he opened the door, and I'm looking right up. I'm like, I'm good, totally good. <laughs> And uh, <laughs> and we went ahead and uh, we went ahead and uh, I think wrapped up the photo shoot after that. And yeah. I won't I won't say his name. He's one of the kindest, nicest, and one of the best drivers I've ever seen. But when you're in this world and you're doing crazy stuff to get photos and stuff, things happen. So I was run over by Raptor once. Yeah, <laughs> True story. I'll, pre- I'll pretend like I didn't hear that. Yeah. <laughs> so promise me when I come out and drive it in uh, in Utah, you won't run me over, Chris. <laughs> I will try my best. I don't think that's going to be a factor. I don't think that we needed to tell that story. I think somebody who cares about that, you know, like the journal. You asked if Fred Williams ran over his camera crew in the woods. 
Uh, for I, dirt I did every ask day. that. You're right. I did ask yeah, that. So, yeah. So you know, it happens. Okay. Um, I'm alive. I'm alive. I, I would but... like to talk to Chris again on the phone, and I'm saying that maybe that story wasn't appropriate. <laughs> Not a great story. <laughs> <laughs> Someone at four. This was a long time ago, so I think the statute of limitations are. This oh, was okay. Back yeah, when it's the, fine. It was right. like 2010, back yeah, when the Raptor yeah. launched. Okay. So. Well, it's seven years on yeah. for radio. Well, it's probably 09 even. So, right. oh, so there you go. There we go. Listen, Chris. Thank you very much for uh, for talking to us. We've we've learned well a little. We're going to learn a lot more with the unveiling. Yes. Yes. And we're going to drive yeah. it. And I'm and and we're both proud of you for the accomplishments and we can't wait to get in this thing. Super awesome to see uh see how far you've gone up in the uh, in the Ford hierarchy and and really living the dream with the job you have. We get we're lucky cuz we have a job that we love and that we get to do all the time and we're talking to people who love their job and and to be able I don't to think work. Though, I don't think we're we're not as good at as what we no, do as not even close. at what he does. Totally not even close. <laughs> but I'm I'm not I'm not talking about how good we are, just how happy we are. Oh yeah. Well we're, we we yeah. we're we operate in bliss is what happens, yes. Chris. So Yeah, there you go. All right, Chris Piva, Ford Performance Engineer for Vehicle Dynamics. You are the man. Thank you for hanging Thanks, out brother. with us. Yeah, thanks, guys. All right, we'll see course. you soon. All right, thanks. Bye-bye. Bye. Everyone, here, here's my thing. Everyone has a story. And I and I think that, you know, you, you, you definitely, we know that you can't judge a book by its cover, but we do anyway. We look at a guy and he's an engineer and we think, oh, pencil, you know, pencil, what do you call it, the protector? Yeah. Pocket protector. Pocket protector. And it's just not it's not the case if you if you spend an hour with someone you know you let, hey let's grab a drink at Chili's yeah, yeah. and you and you dig into what they do why we're going to Chili's I have no idea <laughs> but um and and you 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 learn so much and you realize how wrong you are about that person or you, or even the job because I think their job yeah, you, there's times you just kind of put people in a bucket right and you're like yeah this person does this that's exciting but when you talk to them and their passion is palatable and you go, no wonder those vehicles are so badass because somebody who cares is involved in making them that way. And I think it's just well, when you heard him talk, he's like, I'm a Ford guy. Yeah. Not just the third generation, but he's really passionate about yeah. it. And for And for not him, a company man Ford no. guy. Like Ray's like an actual I I identify as a Ford guy, not just because they send me my paycheck every week. But he loves the culture, loves the and culture he loves the, the company. product. Yeah. I, I, I really respect that. And um there are many guys, mostly salesmen, I think, that are just, it's just about the paycheck. They're yeah. just in it to get a paycheck. But then the guys who are building the products, I find, there's a little bit of their blood yep. in-, in Building, you know, designing, the, the time away from their family, the time traveling, the collaboration. I mean, it's just, there's so much that go into building badass vehicles. And I'm just so glad that we have people like that on that, that really represent their craft well. You know, I think it's awesome. It was great to have Chris on. Ready? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ready? Dial. 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 Why are you staring at me? Just push the button. Dial. It's really not a button. It's a screen. Yeah, I, I tap it's it. made to. It's made to look like a button. There we go. Go. Ready? I've been ready. I'd like to talk to Dennis now. <laughs> okay. What douchey Van Berenstein? <laughs> Bodie McBoat. Bodie McBoatface. <laughs> exactly. Empty Arms Hotel. <laughs> <laughs> What's happening? Lightning and Holman Truck Show Podcast. What's up, Dennis? Not much, man. Not much. How are you guys? We're better than now that uh, you're on the phone. Yeah, I mean, other than crawling in ants in our studio and watching a naked man go running by, we are doing wonderful tonight. Do, do you guys do choose to live in California, man? I mean, that's, you know, that's, <laughs> that's a normal day in Southern California. Oh, by the way, hold on. You're in Oregon. It's I heard you got to keep that place weird, so you're not that far from us. 
No, no, no. That's the inner city. I'm just a redneck <laughs> that lives in the outskirts. <laughs> All right, Dennis, before we get into it, we got an intro for you. Don't move. Yo, the drunk show. <laughs> who dis, who dis? Who the hell is this? A drunk show interview you don't want to miss. We talk to top dogs <laughs> in the industry. How'd you blow up? How'd you come to be? Who dis, who dis? Drunk show represent. Yeah. Best intro you've ever had, Dennis. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I I just I, I just about went and got in my 1983 Regal <laughs> and hit some switches, man. I mean, well, no, excuse me. This is the truck show. It would have been my 79 uh, El Camino. There you go. Uh, you know, party in the front or uh, business in the front, party in the back. What's up, guys? All right, perfect. So if you don't know, Dennis is the host of Sticker Shock on Discovery Channel. America, you ask, what's my car worth? From Model T's to muscle cars. You emptied your garages, barns, and driveways and brought your wheels here. Now our veteran appraisers will put them to the test and tell you whether you've got a clunker or a classic. Welcome to Sticker Shop. So it's kind of, as we, as we described, I'm, and I know that you guys describe it internally probably this way, as the antique roadshow, right? Antiques roadshow of, of, the, of the automotive world, yeah. right? And Yeah, that's really the best way to, to describe it. it. You know, a little, it's... It's not a new idea. It's just about as stripped down and easy a, a concept as you could think of. And Dennis, when I first saw you hosting the show, I immediately said to myself, I know that guy. Where do I know him from? And it's I've seen you. You, you host a lot of stuff at SEMA, right? <laughs> you host stuff everywhere. Um, well, I mean, I was even, if you can believe it, if you remember right, I was actually for a uh, period of time, the voice of Hot Rod Magazine, as I did yes. that radio show. So, oh, yeah. uh, that was my that was my big break into the the national scene. So, yeah, I've been around a little bit. And how did you get that gig originally for, with Hot Rod? Uh, luck, happenstance, and uh, just happened to open the right door when all others were closed. I I don't know. I got living really right, lucky. my friend. <laughs> yeah, living I right. just got really lucky, and uh, a mutual friend, and I'm sure as much as you guys respect and love him, uh, Doug Evans, uh, yes. you know, kind of took me under his wing, and he is not only a giant of a man in both heart and talent. Um, he kind of said, "Listen, you're going to be the guy," and. Uh, I give a lot of credit to him um, as well as others. And uh, I just got lucky, man. I just, uh, you know, that somebody said, you know, give that guy a microphone. He's pretty good at this stuff. And were you already in entertainment or were you in automotive or where, where were you career wise at that point? Well, I, I, I started my career in body and paint. You know, I was a body and paint guy for a long time. Which is, by the way, like the hardest thing you can do in automotive. I think body and paint is an art unto itself. Um, most guys will be like, I can rebuild an engine. I can turn a wrench. I can bleed a brake system. There aren't many guys going, I love paint and body. Everybody's like, nope, I got a guy for that. Everybody yeah. has a guy yeah. for that. Well, you know, body and paint and mechanical work is kind of like the way you look at the person who wants curly hair, who has straight hair, or the guy who has straight hair and wants curly hair. You always want to be able to do the other thing because, believe me, most of what I build blows up. Um, I, I can make it shiny and straight, but most of what I build blows up or the clearances <laughs> were wrong or the valves are tapping and, you know, or it squirts a head gasket. So, and he's um, not lying either. Know. I followed him, you know, I follow him on Facebook and Instagram and it is like, uh, 
Oh, he's going to get the Camaro out of the garage. All right. Oh, not <laughs> so much. Yeah, hey, he, he got it to the track, and he did one run. Yeah, it's uh, – I have many, many times that uh, – thank goodness my wife has a Yukon with a toe strap. I'm just going to leave it at that. <laughs> so for anybody who's listening who hasn't seen the show, right, so basically the setup is Dennis is hosting, and somebody will drive a vehicle up on a rack, um, and and they've this, had, is, this is in a studio, so it, well, it's not. It's, it, it's in a yeah, it's in a big like, like warehouse, warehouse kind of kind of feel. I think and it's there's the a Firestone factory. Act that, like, actually, every music. I didn't realize that every music video ever filmed in L.A. was in the same fire uh, Firestone, Firestone building. building. Yeah, yeah. Apparently, that's all getting torn down. What a bummer that that's it's all. It's an getting amazing torn down. space, and you guys. Basically, what happens is somebody will bring up a vehicle. Dennis sort of asks him, "What do you have into it? What do you think it's worth?" And then one of four appraisers will come, walk the vehicle around, and then tell the person, you were way off uh, or you were right on. And uh, yeah. so it's kind of interesting. You guys have had everything from a gorgeous 1915 Model T. You guys have had the, a 66 Batmobile replica that was almost every bit as good as the original. Uh, a grandma driving a 72 Maverick who was, like, all about it. But then you guys have had like just a ton of awesome trucks, and you and I kind of were sending messages back and forth, and I'm like, man, you've had some cool trucks. We've got to get you on the truck show because uh, there's some stuff to talk about there. Listen, I love all cars, trucks, SUVs, vans, whatever. You guys know from trucks to El Caminos to cars and this and that. And I will tell you this. The thing about trucks that I think – you know, I, I will go out on the limb and say it. There is more of a generational family heritage on, I guess, a normal, uh, I, I don't know, maybe not normal. The word is I see it more often that trucks transcend generations and they become more of a family heirloom than cars in a lot more instances uh -huh. because – they're, they're, they're tools, you know, so great grandpa used it as a tool. Grandpa used it as a tool and then dad got it and he sort of played with it. And then grandson, you know, he hot rodded it. And then great grandson, you know, made it into a show vehicle. And, and you don't really see that so much with anything but a pickup truck. And there's a perfect example. There's that 66 Ford F100 where uh, it was the guy's grandfather and he had his son with him on the show. And oh yeah, the the, grand, uh, the grandma gave it to him, and and he it was sort of a surprise. Like she saw how much he loved his grandfather through their times and experiences in that truck, and he wanted to pass it down to his son. It's this totally patinaed '66 F100, just a cool old truck, nothing special. wasn't a twenty thousand dollar truck. I think it got appraised for like six to eight, but it was yeah, a. It, cool I think it was truck. like ten or twelve or something like that. Yeah, and it was just one of those the story the story behind it and seeing the little boy kind of see the have the same look in his dad in, in the way he looked at his dad as his dad looked at his grandpa and you could see that on the show and that's what those are the stories that I think are really cool. The thing that was really cool about that is him talking about standing on the front seat of that truck with his grandfather at literally the same age that he has sat and and I've obviously become friends with all of you know all of the guests that were on the program. If you think about it, there was 13 episodes, six cars you know, you do the math. It was, you know, I've made so many new friends because of this program. I follow what they do. Now, are you serious? Oh, hold on a second, Dennis. Are you being serious? Do you act did you actually like get their phone numbers and follow up with these people? Oh, I'm Facebook friends with them. We have a little internal page that we all share, you know, photos with. I have pictures of Jensen Jack standing replicating a picture of his dad and his grandfather 
literally in the same pose in the same truck. That's super that, cool. That's awesome. That's Are what you, I was talking about, that tran- that transcending of generational, you know, uh, hand-me-down, whatever you want to call it. You only find that with pickup trucks. I mean, everybody wants, everybody wishes that it's a hot rod or wishes, you know, grandpa pulls the, you know, the Hemi Cuda or the, you know, the Yanko Camaro out of the garage and says, here, son. But that doesn't really happen. It happens with, you know, it happens with a 72 Chevy pickup truck. I've been storing this Yanko in a barn for you for 40 years, and I just remembered it was out there. Here yeah. you go. Here are the No, keys. no, it was, you know, oh, yeah, you mean the old farm truck, Dad, the yeah. one that I had to pick up cow crap in every yeah. day? And the tree fell on it in that one storm, and the bed's never been straight since. You, you know what's weird is <laughs> exactly. my, my grandfather collected Peugeots. He, you know, as we've talked about before, he was stationed in France during the Second World War, and so he fell in love with Peugeots for whatever reason. They were just really odd to him and he came back here and he found the few that he could find and he rebuilt them and then he came to my father and my father didn't really care and then I had the opportunity and I sh- and I really kicked myself for not forcing my father to keep them and but I don't know that I would feel the same way about these Peugeots as I would had my grandfather left me a truck I got to be honest so I feel the same way that that you do about trucks they are heirlooms in a very different way than sedans what is the Peugeot <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right? Yeah. Is that a, is that like a European ashtray or something? I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> you're like, oh, is that a bicycle? I, yeah. Going back, you're saying I, I couldn't agree more. It's it's something about that heirloom esque kind of thing that goes with pickup trucks, and there, it's just something that's always been cool. And, and and really, if you look at the program, what was cool and why that particular truck, you know, because I mean, it had a little five O that the guy dug out of something and, you know, a little C4 and I think it had an AOT. I can't remember. And what was really cool about that was the stories. Um, you know, we were talking about it. We're kind of skating around, you know, it's the story that makes it fun. And it's the heirloom esque. I guess if that's when you put about the truck was fun. But that's what's kind of neat about the program is that's what we're really about. I, you know, the, the the value and setting a value, as you guys both know, is all, you know, f- up for grabs on who – it's all it's always what someone will pay for. It. Exactly. To, it's as much as you can find somebody who likes it as much as you do, right? I mean, it could be a million dollars to one person and two grand to everybody else. It's all about the story, yeah, you, the pedigree. All that stuff. Yeah, you get two drunk guys at Barrett who have really deep pockets, and they'll pay ten times for you know they'll they'll see a you know a '68 GMC short wide come rolling across the deck, and two rich guys that are you know 17 drinks into the night, um, <laughs> all of a sudden it's a eight hundred thousand dollar truck because it looks just like the one Grandpa drove. Do you think that the reason that trucks kind of resonate in that heirloom sort of setting and in, in the history of the family is because if grandpa ever had a, a sports car or something like that, that was sort of the Sunday driver. But with a truck, that was your everyday driver. You're really doing things with, with grandpa, right? You're, you're working, and, and that's the truck you drove every day. So there were more opportunities to bond and interact in a truck that maybe you don't have in the cherished you know, family speedster or whatever hot rod that's in the garage that only came out on Sundays. Well, I would totally agree with that. I think that something that is a specialty item was typically it was wiped. I mean, now you we don't want to peel the onion too far back, but you know, something that was a specialty vehicle was either wiped with a diaper and taken to the car show, or it was meticulously maintained and then raced at the racetrack. A truck, and I can always I always try to put these things in the 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 reality of my life. 
all of the things that I grew up around, one of the things I will always remember is my dad's three-quarter ton, 72, root beer brown, long box Chevy pickup with the granny four-speed, with the, all the paint. I mean, it's these things I'm talking about. I can remember the way the gear lever, the gear uh, linkage looked with the paint wore off because it had the standard, you know, the, the the granny low gear, and it was always coming out of second gear with his hand on it. I can remember what the dash looks like. I can remember that my cat slept on the on the fan belt <laughs> once and got its leg cut off. I can remember going wood cutting. I can remember going hunting. I you know more about that truck than probably the first car that you drove. Oh, absolutely. And here's the thing that ties it all together. I even caught a glimpse of that truck once in my hometown, and I was ready to cut my own liver out, go sell it to a hospital, and took whatever it took to buy that thing. And the, it literally was like, it's not for sale. I'm not selling it. And I'm like, listen, I, and I was getting around like, stupid wife going to divorce me $30,000 for a $7,000 kind of money. Did did you tell him that you were willing to uh, go Barrett Jackson stupid after 17 drinks? Oh, I I was. I was tell you this. I mean, we all know how easy those trucks are to steal. I was literally considering like grand larceny. I mean, I, (laughs) I, it was that kind of connection that I only had with that kind of truck. Not so much the truck, but we've been talking about it's that connection to family. You you said it correctly. It wasn't so much the truck, it's what you did in the truck with who you did it. And it's it's you can't ever replicate you know, yeah, it'd be great if everybody's grandfather pulled out, you know, I mean, if you're a Ford guy, it's this truck. If it's a if you're a Chevy guy, it's that truck. If you're a Dodge, I don't know, maybe it's a Ram Charger that you always wanted. Um, but it's that connection and those memories that then tie you into that is exactly why I love doing this show. It's that connection that I see in people. And then I get to share it. I get the guy, I get to go out there and go, Hey, I'm Dennis. I'm a loud mouth. Uh, I never stopped talking, but I need to for about 10 minutes. You can tell me a cool story. Going back to the show, there's one, and you said that you, your Facebook friends and everything. The one guy I'm curious if you're a Facebook friend with and you follow is that wacky, wacky dude with the 50, I think it was a 51 or 57 Divco stand-up milk truck. But that thing was crazy because he had put a flathead Ford V8 in it, but S10 fuel injection, and I've never heard a flathead Ford start up so easily and purr like the truck, uh, like that Divco milk truck did. It was unbelievable. The guy had a screw loose, but in a good way. Kenny, let me ask you something. Why a milk truck? Because my grandfather in Pennsylvania drove one. And really? I, I used to go with him. I would run the milk. And while I was running, he'd have filled the next order. So I'm sitting up here as a child, and I'd look that big windshield to that Art Deco hood ornament, and I fell in love. And as an adult, I said, I should have my own Divco. How did you come across this particular one? Well, I put out the word, I was looking for one, and a friend of mine said, Kenny, I know where there's one of those. Yeah, it's in Vaughn, New Mexico. It's a tiny, tiny town. I thought, well, I'll go to the post office. They know everybody. So I said, I wonder if you might know who owns this truck. Oh, well, that's my husband's truck. Of course it is. Yeah, I asked him if he'd like to sell it. He said, I'd give you $1,000. So he thinks and he said, well, I think you ought to own it. So you own it for $1,000. This is where I turn to your wife. Uh How much money do you have invested to make it look and be the truck it is now? Mm, How much do we have in this one, honey? 10? Okay. 
10 for fix-up. That's not 13, bad. 13, 10, 13. It, it, does this get you in less trouble to keep your mouth shut at this point? In total, everybody's done it in the car world, had completely lied to his wife about how many cars he had, how much money he had in them, what he had done with it, how much money he had spent on it. And then on top of that, his... His ingenuity to put a throttle body fuel injection complete with return line and high pressure onto a flathead Ford and then run the accessory off to the side. And that thing started up like a brand new car. And the beauty of it was, and it doesn't really show in the TV program, there's some cool pictures of it floating around if you look. But it was not only the fact that he did it, it was the Sano install that he did. I mean, I'm talking parallel fuel lines, nice AN fittings. I mean, the guy took time to do it, and it was just – that Divco, in my mind, would definitely be top five of all 70-plus oh, cars that were He's rad, and, and I remember – so those Divco, for people who don't know, Divco was a company. It was like the Detroit delivery vehicle company or something like that, and so the Divco trucks kind of were like a UPS truck of their day. They sort of had a very unique Art Deco sort of look. They had the same body style for 100 years. But they were stand-up trucks, so you stood up out at the steering wheel, and you would go to deliver your milk. And we need to post a photo of yeah, this, because people definitely. are not going to be able to picture this. But what's cool about it is they went 35 miles an hour, right? So you were stand-up yeah. driving. This guy with a flat, he put a seat in it, and he's like, hey, it goes 70. And <laughs> to see a Divco and the suspension and the short wheelbase... You never want to go 70 in that thing. This no, guy's like, yeah, no, so I no. drive it all the time. <laughs> well, if you think about it, too, the actual Divcos were designed to literally just put down the street without a driver. They were just designed to go down the street at five, six miles an hour as a guy jumped in and out of it, solitary, grabbing milk, putting it on doorsteps, grabbing empty milk bottles, running back out of the truck as it just putted along and low. You know, put it in low gear. The first autonomous vehicle down the street, <laughs> right? And so I got to know: was the appraisal uh, higher or lower than than he expected? Way higher. Oh, well, well higher than what he expected. Yeah. He, I mean, I think he single handedly might have driven the price up of Divco's all over the place. Now, I am one of those guys. I admit it. It's kind of like guys who are nineteen eleven guys who make fun of Glock guys. I'm a Glock fanboy. I admit it, it and I'm into the Tupperware. If I had a chance to get a Divco, and going what I mean by the, the the Tupperware thing is, if I could LS it, I would. I I would I would go, <laughs> I'd grab a Divco. I'd go grab a you know and just an LS one. You know, maybe put some heads of the cam and an intake on it. You know, put some gears in it, and it would be the coolest hot rod ever. Because I have. I've seen done been around so much as you guys have. I mean, we're all just nerds who live the lifestyle of automotive connoisseurs, if that's the word you want to put on it. But I had never seen a Divco to my recollection in real life until I saw that one. And when I did, I was like, yeah, he was kooky. His wife was a sweetheart. The car was an engineering, in my opinion, an engineering marvel. But I'm already thinking like, you know, how do we stuff an LS with a 4L80 behind this in this thing and, and see if we can go 150? I, 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 I couldn't that would be scary. myself. I, I or, love or go the other angle. Tell me about uh, a surprise or two that you've had, whether it's way higher or way lower than you expected. And then I also want to find out, can the average Joe get his vehicle on your show for appraisal? Okay, so we'll take those one by one. Um, definitely higher 
Um, I would have definitely, you know, I don't know if you caught the surf motorhome. Yes. Do you remember that one? Yes. He got hit pretty high. Um, and that thing wasn't in that good a condition either. It had a bunch of cracks in the fiberglass and the gel coat was faded, but, but it was a nice driver. But it was something that was very, very cool and something as, as original as the div go. Yes. I thought that one got hit high. Um, I do think, um, as a Camaro nut, we all, anybody who knows me knows I'm a Camaro nut. I got, as we go back to the wife thing, I don't know how many, I don't know if my wife really knows how many Camaros I own. My wife just literally came around the corner and peeked at me where I'm talking. <laughs> her face. I don't own any more Camaros and you know where the titles are. Leave me alone. Um, the Camaro with the bench seat got hit really high. Um, I think a couple, uh, Davey with the 67 Javel got hit high, but it was the, it was the, uh, the people that were just blown away by how little they got a praise for. That was more of a shock. The one truck that was on that would resonate the most with our listeners is there was an 86 Toyota mini truck that was famous, and it was famously on the cover of Mini Truck Magazine back I, in I didn't see this yeah, one. Yeah, back in December. What? It was the uh, one. Is, it, is this on the Discovery Go app? Yeah, here, Can I'll, I see I'll it? show okay. you a picture. Then we'll By the way, it. you guys do need to look. You need, if, you, if you haven't, uh, oh, it's, if it's, you don't it's have Discovery. Discovery. It's, it's, it's faster. It was yeah. called Last Look, and it was a tribute with House of Colors. It has Boyd wheels. It's totally period correct with a full billet grill, the whole width of it. It was a famous truck back in the day. So to see that pop up on the show. But it's it still looks nice. It's a ten footer from ten feet away. It's beautiful, but up close you can see the the paint's chipped. And the guy said it didn't run. Um, I thought that was kind of an interesting thing to see. And it's so funny. Every single guest we talk to on the show is like, "Oh, I started out as a mini trucker." And so oh, there's yeah. this theme running through the Truck Show podcast of people somehow touching mini trucks at some point in their lives. And here we are with Dennis, and on your show is like one of these famous mini trucks. I had to bring that up just because it's cool. Tell me the story how this car entered your life. I was a young gentleman that used to uh, read a magazine called Mini Truck and Magazine. And one month here is this exact same truck sitting on the cover of Mini Truck and Magazine. Like this actual truck? Yes, it was oh, wow. this truck. Really? It showed up in, I believe it was December of 96. And I remember sitting there right at the mailbox going, what happened? <laughs> this was wild. Fast forward about 10 years ago, I ended up finding this exact same truck sitting on a used car lot in Marietta, Georgia. Was it in this condition when you found it? No. How much money do you think you put into it to resurrect it to the way we see it now? Roughly five or $6,000. Okay. What do you think the value of the little Toyota is now? I would have to guess 60000 The history and the heritage of that car is as big as any other car in its own little slice of the automotive pie. Um, that car was painted by Kosmoski. I mean, it was the cause, man. I mean, if you're a body and paint guy, uh, he was th one of the best painters of all time. Um, I actually got to go out to Minnesota one time and hang out with him. I mean, such a cool guy to see his little signature on the back of it, to know what that truck was. I mean, come on guys, I'm 47 years old. You don't think I know what a mini truck was. I grew <laughs> up in the eighties. Come on. I mean, it was like, it was like, you know, as, as us, you know, V8 guys were off in the corner getting buzzed around by guys in 22 R's with Toyotas and Scirocco's. And, you know, it was just the, yes. you know, the, the odd, you know, odd time of automotive, uh, I guess, fool, Tom foolery, but, that particular truck was a huge, huge shock to not only the owner, but it was a huge shock that kind of resonated throughout the entire, not only social platforms of the world, but also through the mini trucking world. Because 
that truck was was literally uh, appraised at well over a hundred grand. Um, all of a sudden, you know, uh, one of our sister shows on Discovery is doing um, the crew uh, help me out with the crew the crew dually that was another famous uh, cover rig the six passenger crew dually that was done. That particular truck was a huge piece of the mini truck puzzle. That was a huge scene. And the funny thing is I can like anything, I don't know if bell bottoms are ever coming back, but I can see mini trucks at some point coming back. Maybe we'll have to call them middle sized trucks because mini trucks, mini trucks, M I D I trucks. Is that what it is? Okay. Mini trucks. I'm I'm coining it now. So hashtag mini trucks. trucks. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Hold on. I got to go buy that website. Uh, But, you know, it, that was one of the coolest things because after the show, because I got an education in the history behind it. I had seen the truck before, obviously, but to see the Eric Correct build, the best part was they found the missing belly pan. That was oh, they the did. big thing. Now, oh, yeah. Now, wait a minute. Hold on. You guys are saying period correct build, but that truck was built then, right? This is not a... Yeah, it it, it, it's, it's basically fact. a survivor of the mini well, truck okay, era. Well, you're, saying, yeah. you're saying period correct, but it was... It means it it, was, nobody's touched it really since then. Like it's, it's, oh, I mean, it, it's it. everything yeah. from the super trap muffler to the, the Boyd wheels. Raccoonies, now, the did, that, Boyd did that wheels, truck have but, a uh, did it have a walkthrough with uh, 18s in the back, you know, or, or what? It didn't have that. It, that's what the only thing it didn't have was, yeah, the cutout or the, the convertible top. Did it have it a had, scissor lift bed or any of that stuff? Um, no, it was just more of a traditional um, static. I mean, obviously, static lowering job. It was all about I mean, the paint. Oh, yeah. It was I mean, all, all about the about paint. The I mean, everything was painted, right? Because it was in the fender wells, it was the frame. It, I mean, the whole chassis, that, that truck was taken apart panel by panel, bolt by bolt, and painted. And to, just to see it, I mean, the guy, I think he said he spent $13,000. What's it called on again, it. the truck? What's it's it? a last look. Last look was last the name look. of the truck. Yeah. yeah. So if they Google and, last look mini truck, it'll yes, come up. Yes, it'll okay. definitely come up. And it was on the December '96 cover. It's an '86 Toyota, but on the December of '96 cover, mini truck. And and for the guy, put thirteen thousand, bought it for thirteen, put five in to kind of restore it to where it is now, and then to find out that the appraiser thought it was worth well over a hundred thousand dollars was was pretty amazing. That I mean, is bonkers. There's got to be mini truckers out there who have something under a tarp in their backyard, going, "Up, oh, hey, honey, time to resurrect the mini there's truck." There's got to be some hard oh, bodies yeah. out there. There yeah. has oh, to yeah. be has to be well i mean the thing that was really cool is like i said the belly pan was resurrected and if you know it was what was crazy about it is they took that little they happened to use that as one of the teasers for the episodes and so each in every episode of the show was there was a little teaser that hyper focused on one vehicle they thought might be interesting than the others that particular video, I think, has something like 1.5 million views. Oh, wow. <laughs> I mean, it was like every single person between the age of probably about, I don't know, say 55 and and 45, myself, who grew up in that era when that was the cool thing to have, um, every one of them saw it. And, and, and all of a sudden, they were transported back into 1989. And I don't know if they were listening to Metallica, Aha, or Guns N' Roses, whatever that was on there. Aha, <laughs> uh-huh, for sure. Full, oh, yeah. On the N- full, full out stereo. Yeah. Oh, NWA. NWA. Yeah, but you're probably one. on the lowrider side of that, right? No, no, no. Every white kid that had a that had a mini truck was listening bumping NWA. Well, that's true. My, my cousin Brian, I remember when he, he had a 89 Toyota pickup. He's uh, what, six years older than I am, so he's in his, uh, in his uh, mid to late 40s. And I remember he was living with us for a while, and he's like the cooler, older cousin, right? Because I didn't have brothers. My brothers were my cousins growing up. And I remember 
OPP and NWA. Like that was what was coming out of his six by nines in the door of OPP, his. OPP. Now yeah. you know me. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. I was. I was more of a Eric B and Rock Kim. You know, a little. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. It takes two. It takes two. <laughs> me and Eric B and a rice. Thing. Dude, I hope there's some kids listening I, right now who I'm are a, like, I'm gonna top you, Egyptian lover. Oh, <laughs> I, Whoa, I, it down. I just hope that there are there's a 15 or 16 year old kid listening to us now. Goes just for the and giggles. I gotta go YouTube this and go. What the hell was wrong with you guys back then? <laughs> Story time with Slick Rick, you know. Yeah. I mean, that <laughs> oh yeah. The Wayback oh. Machine on the Truck Show podcast. I'm I'm feeling oh, yeah. old right now. My you kid, are my old. kids are tuning out hey, of man. this podcast. Hey man, Dave the Dope Man, who don't know the name of or don't know the meaning of water or soap. I mean, come on, if you don't know that line, I mean, you're, you're lost. You're lost. My oh friend. my gosh. So Dennis, can a, the regular Joe get his his car or truck onto um, you know sticker shock? Wow, we were supposed to answer like three questions, and boy, did we bottle rocket all over the place. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, e- e- uh, yes, I was surprised by low values. Yes, I was surprised by high values. Let's get to the third part of those questions you already asked me. Uh, yes, and there uh, is a website link that is on the Sticker Shock part of Discovery's app, um, both app and their website, where you can submit vehicles to it. Um, the last time I talked to somebody at the production company, they had something like 2,000 submissions. Oh, so, oh my God. So don't bother, really. Let's wow. be honest, don't bother. Well, wow. I mean, I, I wouldn't say don't bother because the idea is the show is easy to make. Um, it's very easy to make the content. So I'm hoping that we could make just a ton. I mean, if they give us the green light for another season, I hope we can just make like uh, 104 episodes or something ridiculous like that and just... <laughs> You know, two a week, all new, every week for the next year. And there would be more than enough stories. So please do not be afraid to submit your story because we want them. Where do you shoot it and is it going to travel? Because you could get some really different cars if you went to Florida, if you went to New Hampshire. You never know what you're going to get. Even though we filmed the show in California, we had cars from the Northeast. We had cars from Florida. We had cars from all across the nation. I didn't know if you were. I didn't. I didn't know if you were doing a little movie magic there and just saying that they were from different places. So they, you oh, really no. are, you're trucking those things in. Oh no, we had cars literally from all over the nation. I mean, it was that was not a joke. I mean, we trucked them in. There was no movie magic. I. That is one thing I want to address. And I, you know, I had talked about a previous show that was uh, in the graveyard and there to stay, never to become Michael Jackson and moonwalk across the stage. <laughs> the, the, the that show had no shenanigans in it. Um, when I walked up and met those people that were on the program, bar the few that I already knew, um, Zach with the Camaro, Davey with the Chevelle, a couple others that I just happened to meet out in the parking lot, I didn't know any of those people. I would walk up and just be like, hi, I'm loud, I'm going to be in your face, uh, personal space needs nothing, let's have some fun. And it was one of those things where all these people, oh, well, they did, you know, they did this. I've been a part of those programs, and I know they're out there. But I literally met these people off the cuff, in the cold. Most of them, if you watch, warm up to me because they're like, what's this six foot two, 260-pound guy in my face for? Well, it's just because I'm there to get your story. And I had only a few minutes to get it out of you. And it was only going to be fresh once. Um, I, I, I always, I just want to make sure that because 
I, I've been a part of that, and I got a lot of that questions asked about sticker shock. Ninety-eight percent of the people I never met on those program on the program before, and yes, they were from all over the place. I mean, there was people that you know drove you know fourteen, sixteen hours to get their rig there, appraise it, spend a couple nights, get some rest, and trucked it home. Got it. That's refreshing to hear. I'm happy to hear that. Yes, I, I think a lot of our listeners have heard from whether it's the guys from Dirt Every Day or Roadkill or from Dennis Tonight, kind of you know the the. The what the backside of water, if you will, sort of looks like, and I think it's interesting for them to hear like, no, I don't, this what the, I've never heard that phrase. Really, you, you've the never backside? been to Disneyland on the Jungle Cruise. The backside. Oh, of water. <laughs> <laughs> well done, sir. Thank you. I, I got I have, it. Yes. Well done. Yeah, so I, I I like to use that in my uh, normal everyday vernacular, but <laughs> the fact that they see the backside of water and they get a chance to understand how these shows work. Um, I think it gives them a new appreciation for it because I think people want genuine. They want to watch the genuine shows. They don't want to just watch something scripted that that you know isn't authentic to what we do at all. So, Dennis, we we super super appreciate you carving out the time to to come on and talk about Sticker Shock because a uh, ton of awesome sh- trucks this season. Hopefully, you guys will get picked up for season two and and have a bunch more to talk about. Well, I can tell you this: if if it was your audience with you guys, somehow somewhere. We would find either the original Bigfoot or the guy who says he, you know, built the first original monster truck. That would be the perfect person. And at least instead of going on the lift, he would just jump over the lift, and we'd have a lot. <laughs> I'd watch that absolutely. <laughs> All right, Dennis, you're the best. We appreciate it. No problem, guys. Thank you so much. If you get a chance, if you want to follow my shenanigans, or even you know, like I said, connect to these people that have been on the show. It's at Car Guy Dennis. You can find me on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Just look me up. It's pretty easy. Dennis Pittsburgh. I I have no secrets because I have no secret um, Scrooge McDuck room full of money. So nobody can uh, <laughs> you know nobody can send me you know the, don't be look you know don't send me an email looking for my my you know my social security number. I don't have any credit either. So uh, I don't mind <laughs> my true car guy. Stuff, you know <laughs> it, it's pretty easy to find me. But guys, thank you so much for having me on. And if you're ever down in SoCal, hit us up. We'd love to have you in studio sometime. All right, anytime, guys. Anytime. All right, buddy. All right. Talk to you soon. Thanks. All right, bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye. Dennis is a is a machine, dude. Dude, like he told you, he's loud, proud, in your face. He's a talker. I but like that, it. That's why I thought he would be great to come on the show because, man, he could totally carry the whole thing without us. Yeah, we do not need to be here. Nope. We could have literally gone a wiener schnitzel. Actually, I did step out halfway through. And, <laughs> no. Good, good dude. All right, do we have time for some email? We don't because oh. we're probably like we're having a four-hour episode, but <laughs> but we should probably do a couple. All right, here, hold on, let me play this first. You email? Yeah. I email. Do it. You got homie. Hold on, still the answer. <laughs> I know. You guys can't see this, of course, but Holman is just bobbing his head, reading email on his computer. Would you want to share any of those with us? You're just gonna is it a dance party over there across the table? Well, I'm not gonna share any with you because I didn't have time to print them out today. <laughs> so on. you're just gonna have to be at the mercy of no, 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 no. Or are you gonna read them all? Uh, yeah, unless you want to pass the laptop through the ants and uh, whatever read co- cables. And what you got? So we got a ton of emails once again, and you guys have absolutely destroyed our stock of shirts. So we have no more shirts right now. I am printing more. Okay. All right. So uh, if you guys remember Erling from uh, from Sweden, he uh, he wrote back and he says, uh, "No, I'm not the guy to represent Scandinavia U.S. car culture. I'm more of a watcher than a doer. He's a bus driver, 
often driving an articulated bus in Gothenburg, the home of Volvo, SKF, and ESOB. Articulated. It's like a trailer bus. Like there's the two parts and the then two they, sections. Yeah, they have like right. the accordion between them. Oh, yeah. So I guess he drives one of those. That's so. got to be tough, right? He, well, he says he loves to listen to us while driving the bus, and he laughs at the intros and he learns a thing or two. Thanks for the good shows. Wow, thank you. Yeah, so that's pretty cool. Uh, we've got uh, our our buddy Mike at Nelson's. Well, right. he did not say anything about a review. Oh, no, dude. no shirt. I think no shirt. I think we need a review from you, buddy. I think we need a review from you, and I think it's more important because you're so far away. Yeah. I think the, the greater the distance you are from our studio, the more that five-star rating carries. He's not the furthest listener away. He's not? But he's the furthest listener that's emailed us. All right, and then Micah Nelson says, uh, Lightning Holman, you've been talking about all the great full-size trucks and mid-size trucks, but you've not talked about the Toyota Tundra at all. Come on, that's guys. That's true. Figure it out. What um, about us Toyota guys? There's got to be something or it's not there. By the way, you guys are doing great. Your friend Micah. Um, and he says he bought the garage door lighting for his buddy for his birthday. No way! Yeah. And he says- Where's our commission? Yeah, right? He says they seem pretty awesome. Hope they uh, they work. Took your word on it. Now we won't uh, work in his garage with one light and, of course, all the stupid magnet lights falling on us. All right, so Toyota, I've literally been corresponding with a friend of mine who works at Toyota, who sets up these things, a PR guy, uh, my buddy Josh, and all of my emails, because we just changed our company emails, have gone to a spam. So literally, I have to text him and go, dude, check your spam. And so we've been trying to coordinate to get a Toyota representative on. We're working on it. I promise you. We haven't forgotten about you, Toyota fans. All right. So we got one from Gas Cap Man. He says, no more suckage. Wait, wait, wait. wait. Gas Cap Man? Gas Cap Man. <laughs> he says, hey, guys, I've been loving every episode way back since the very first one I listened to, which was episode two with LGE CTS. The episode with Gail Banks was by far my favorite, which we've heard that from a ton of people, yeah, by the way. So it's by far my favorite to listen to because he's so genuine. He has such a passion for the aftermarket industry that I've never seen before. Very cool. We appreciate you. Uh, that was uh, if you haven't heard the Gail Banks episode, the Gail episode as we like to call it. Yep. You should go back. I don't know. It was like nineteen or twenty, something like that. You should uh, definitely go back. Twenty, I think. Yeah. Yeah. All right, and then we've got uh, Steve Orozco, proud listener. Hey, Lightning and Holman, just wanted to drop in and say I love the show. I'm a listener of K-Rock's Kevin and Bean and followed Lightning to his new endeavors. Oh, nice. Currently daily drive an 04 Ram 2500 Cummins 4x4 short box, pretty much stock, but I hope to Banks kit it very soon. Oh, nice. My toys are an 01 KTM 520 Dual Sport, 88 Toyota 4Runner 4x4 with total chaos long travel. By the way, sounds that's like a fun. cool bike, that KTM. But yeah, well, that 4Runner with total chaos uh, long travel sounds pretty cool, yeah, too. Yeah, it does. And uh, he says he's got a 63 inch Chevy rear leaf spring swap on it. So that's that's those things badass. Solid uh, solid motor vehicle selection. Yeah, no, he's he's got good taste. He says when it comes to camping, the Dodge gets topped up with a clean older eight foot Lance cab over with the forerunner in tow on the car trailer. This setup is perfect for my wife, two dogs, but we'll see if we need to upgrade when the kids come in the picture. Luckily, she already agreed. And I'll never have to get rid of my toys. Fingers crossed. <laughs> long story short, I enjoy all the diesel hauling, towing, and off-road talk interviews. Your shows help me get through the long day of work, whether I'm sitting in the computer or outdoors. Keep up the good work. Five stars. Oh, nice. Five stars. Five stars. And he says, P.S. I wear a large, and he's from Mentone, California. He says, uh, Lightning Mentone is not a desert wasteland in the middle of nowhere, as you described. I have been. Uh, yes, it is. <laughs> no, it's not a desert wasteland, but it's in the foothills. It's actually a really kind of pretty area yeah, it but is. um it is. yeah no i don't don't, don't bother going to mentone there's <laughs> nothing in mentone our listener i mean except for him yeah exactly. there's no reason to go to mentone except unless you're going to visit uh, brian at bulletproof suspension is he in mentone he is in mentone oh all right. i didn't know that there was a city named mentone until i read it on brian's card and then drove there to go get my suspension just because on. and i'm like just because what why did i drive <laughs> yeah, there to, <laughs> because he would that's i wanted to go to bulletproof 
and I wanted to have my install my my uh, my suspension installed at the manufacturer. And I kept driving, <laughs> and I drove, and I drove through Arizona. I went to I went through Texas. I think I went through Mississippi at one point, and finally I got to Mentone, California. <laughs> you know, you could have just gone like right up the five or something like that. It would have been a little nah, faster. No, Mentone is down. It's by Redlands. Oh, is that where it is? Yeah, it's right next to Redlands, but it's in the it's in Booth, as far as I'm concerned. Is that nine oh nine? Nine five one. It's got to be nine oh nine. Yeah, it it's way. It's deep it's, in the cut. Yeah, it is deep. All right, uh, Richard wrote us as okay. I'll get to the point. Why I won't rate your show? Wait, what? says, I won't give you a five-star rating because you guys keep saying you have a crappy show. <laughs> but I love the show. Oh, wait. Yay. I, I don't have a yay. <laughs> you guys have great content and the audio quality is on point. You guys get awesome interviews and make them very enjoyable. And of course, the songs were rough at first, but now <laughs> I catch myself singing the truck show intro all the time. You should offer it as a download. I just got my shirt. Did he just say we should offer the... Our intro is the a intro is a download. Yeah. What? He says I just got my shirt and I love the letter you set with it. Keep up the awesome work, guys. P.S. Holman, did you say cinematography in the Aaron <laughs> Yes, he I did. think I did actually. Cinematography. Yeah. Cinematography. Yeah. You know what? Sometimes you uh, you're talking to guests and your mouth gets dry and you don't have that swig of Dr Pepper and whatever comes out is what nope. happens. <laughs> yeah. Just flush that whole episode. <laughs> uh, he says P.P.S. Mounted parameters. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Says, I know I just got my truck show shirt, but I'll take one of these if you make some. But wait, no, no, no. We're not sending you another damn shirt until you go on and give us a five-star review. Absolutely not. Yeah. And by the way, your review means more than anyone else's because you're holding out on us, buddy. Yes, absolutely. This one's pretty funny. The title is Thunder Buddies (laughs) from Jeff. Jeff says, hey, guys, it's Jeff from Iowa. I love the show. I love the shows with Finnegan and Freiburger. I'd love some more shows on OBS Chevys or get a hold of Matt at Sloppy Mechanics. Here's a pic of my 95. What's Sloppy Mechanics? I don't know. We'll have to check it out. Apparently, there's a guy named Matt there. (laughs) We'll have to find him. Says, uh, here's a pic of my 95 C1500. So he's got a a lowered extended cab 95. Let me see. It's pretty nice. We got to share that? But check this out. Oh, ooh, that is nice. You know what shirt size? Guess what shirt size he is. Uh, I'm going to guess. He is a 5X. 5X. Yeah. Dude, we've had like what? Seven of those already? What's up with the big boys listening? Dude, we got some big friends out there. Yeah, we do. All right. It's well. cool. Now, is he, you think he's like Samoan? I don't know. I, I have no know. idea. Because I know a lot of Samoans and they're big. Dude, I, big I, boys, I do too. Yeah. I do too. All right. So uh, Greg writes, great show. Just listen to the one with Gail Banks. And I was in awe by all the history and stories. I grew up in the LA area and I didn't know about all the history SoCal had with racing and innovation. I had a few turbo cars in my life, and the last one was a Honda S2000 making 416 horsepower to the wheels. Ex- what? Then the first kid came, and I got into the trucks, which is now a Ram 1500 Eco Diesel. He says, I've got three questions. I'm thinking about getting an international scout as a project and something my son and I can work on and go on trips to. What are your thoughts on the scout? I happen to really love the scout. I think scouts are badass, but you also... How capable are they? Very. I mean, you can build a scout just like an early Bronco or something like that. Um... They're very cool. You just aren't going to find as many ready-made parts. There'll be some fab work. It depends how far you want to go. But guess what? Not everybody has one. So Scout gets a thumbs up in my book. He says, uh, why does Toyota ignore the full-size truck market? Another Toyota question. From the journalist standpoint, I don't think they're ignoring it. The fact of the matter is, is that their Texas plant that churns out both Tacomas and Tundras are at full capacity. So they really don't have to do anything because you guys keep buying their trucks. And so as long as the plan is churning out trucks at the rate they are, you're probably not going to see a whole lot of changes from Toyota. 
Then he says, when are you guys throwing a meetup? What happened to the idea of having fans to the studio as well? By the way, your show has inspired me to start my own podcast, and I wear a size medium. Well, I have some thoughts here. He's right. he's going to start his own podcast. That's cool. So now we're at competition. He didn't say it was an automotive podcast. Mm. I need to know what the content of the podcast <laughs> before is. Before we give him any other advice? Before we have him in and show him our oh, facility. You think he's yes. just using this as a way to find the secret sauce. I'm not saying that I'm saying that, but I might be saying that. So I'm just going to go ahead and say that, did you notice right after the Aaron episode, the Kaufman episode, we were number three? Of course and I noticed we that. passed... Corolla and a bunch of other people. I did notice that. Was that was such a good feeling. It was it was short-lived. It was very but short-lived. Was but good. we did. I have a screenshot of it. So. Yes. No, <laughs> I, I saw that. You know, I, I'm now thinking back to a few minutes ago when we talked about Toyota, and we really have not, for, for arguably one of the biggest, you know, sectors in, in the truck industry- yeah. We haven't touched on Toyota. No. We ha- we've talked about Nissan. A little bit of Toyota talk- mini trucks and stuff like that, but not like a, a segment exclusive to Toyota at all. I know that we've really been, you have been, you lost extra hair trying to get the guys from, uh, Jerry from Canberg on. Yes. And they're really kind of, those are Toyota guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And for whatever reason, he's just uh, evading Busy. us. Busy, yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I need to send him another We're email. We're like Highway Patrol, and he's like racing away from us for whatever <laughs> no, reason. No, because he'll email me from time to time. He goes, when am I coming on the podcast? I'm and like, you he, tell me. And then he flakes out. Yeah, I but, know. But that is, uh, that's that's kind of quintessential Toyota suspension. Yeah, we've but tried. I, I, why... Why? Is it because neither you or I own a Toyota, and so we're not so motivated to have a Toyota guy on? No, I think we've tried to have Toyota guests, and in fact, I do have one of our guests lined up for episode, I think, 23 or 24, that is a total Toyota guy. You got to tell me who it is? Jonathan Ward at Icon. Oh! So he's going to come on uh, on the show, and um, if you guys aren't familiar, he does all the high-end FJ Cruiser redos. Uh, and of course, his derelicts and all the other cool stuff that he does. And I think his uh, his pedigree, his career before he started this, he was actually a Toyota designer at one point. Oh wow! So talk That'd about be interesting Toyota. to get yeah. the backstory. Yeah. So I, I I've been working on Jerry Camberg. Uh, Jonathan just emailed me back today, said he'd love to come on. So we just need to lock down which episode. So we have Toyota stuff coming. I'm still working with my buddy Josh over in PR at Toyota. We're working on Toyota. I promise you, we got some Toyota stuff coming. Um, obviously, great trucks. Not as great as Nissan, though. Remember back in the eighties <laughs> when, um, so you would lower your Toyota in the, during the mini truck season, yeah. the, the the scene. But then also, so a friend of mine, Mark, what was Mark's last name? I don't. We, that kid of a friend? Uh, I don't. I don't remember. It'll come to me after. Of course, we stop recording. And Mark had a, uh, a. We got a brand new. I don't know why his parents would have bought him a brand new Toyota truck. But wow. he lived, it, he was, and he just had turned 16. Wow. And I went to the rich kid school. Now, I lived on the other side of the tracks. I was basically bussed over, and I had to deal with that all the time, which caused some mental scarring, I will tell you, still to this day. Is that why you eat so many kids? chili dogs at a sitting? Is it, it has nothing to do with chili dogs. <laughs> what? Chili dogs? I feel like no. you're covering up your pain with wiener I, I There are other ways that I cover up my pain, <laughs> yeah. But so he immediately went out and got like a, I, I it had to have been a, 18 inch lift, oh something and probably 44 inch super swampers, right? He had 44 on super like 15s or 16s or something. Back I don't then. remember, yeah. but it was monstrous, and I re- I will never forget the time. What year? He, this would have been an 87. So right after the Back to the Future truck, 
Yes. So right, but because way the, bigger than that. No, no, no I, I get that, but it was funny because it was sort of like Toyotas were all mini trucks, and then Back to the Future hit, and it's like now Toyotas are all lifted up on super swampers and stuff. I didn't think that that was kind of any any kind of a milestone that movie, as far as uh, there's just something Toyota, about that truck though. Now nah, that truck was never cool to me. No, really, the Back it, to the Future truck was weak. It no, was, it was not lifted. It wasn't. It wasn't lifted big enough. It was just. It was middle of the road. I, for me. I get that, but it was still a seminal moment in uh, in the truck. I don't know, in in the truck scene, because I still know people to this day that will talk about seeing that truck. And in fact, Toyota built a concept a few years ago with the, I think it was the 20th or 25th anniversary of Back to the Future. Was that when they did uh, the Nike, the shoes that matched, uh, you know, those air? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They're the same, same time frame. So Toyota took a modern Tacoma and built it up just like Buff's truck. Right. So Yeah, I saw that and I thought Casey it was Casey Daylighters weak. and yeah, all that stuff. Yeah, it was weak. I don't know. I didn't, I'm sure people are going to call that sacrilege that that was a really cool truck. And I just thought it was, because I've always been about extremes. I want to, you got to, it's got to be on the ground or it's going to be way up in the air. So, but I remember that moment where, he took me for a ride, and we went down to the beach, and we did some cruising, and it was the worst riding truck ever. It was so rough and so brutal. Because <laughs> that was a torsion bar truck. Sure was. And so you had a drop bracket, and the bars twisted all the way up, and so there was probably no travel I, at all. I just, it was, but man, it was really cool being that high up. <laughs> and, and, I mean, nobody was that high back then. No. I, this thing was gargantuan. Unless you were like a, a a K10 like mud truck from South Florida or something like that. And there like, were no steps back then. Yeah. You jumped into that yeah. thing. You actually know. You yeah. put your right foot on the tire and, and then, then you kind of springboarded yes. in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, eventually they came out with Nerf bars and things like that. And do you remember back then when the you know shocks were chrome and shock boots were neon colors and it was like how high can you lift your truck and how many shocks you can put on it and then finally you know Casey came out with the daylighters in like different colored you know uh, light covers so now they can match your shock boots and it's it's so funny to look back in like those you know late 80s like four-wheeler magazines and just see those freaking trucks with moon visors and I always laugh at moon visors because I'm like I never knew the moon was so bright <laughs> <laughs> I don't know it's just kind of embarrassing some of those builds back then you know yeah. some, some were cool and some were they just didn't just like the 80s like in Miami Vice just didn't it's just dated it's, it's like just did, that, did not survive you know it's sort of like when your buddy had that rad paisley like club jacket that he would wear out and, yeah. and then it's probably sitting collecting dust and you go in, you're like, dude, you wore one of those things? You know, like you're sort of embarrassed to admit that you were part of that scene. Yeah. I, there's got to be scenes going on right now in the truck world that, well, are there that will be embarrassing in 20 years? I don't or know. No? Let's check it out at SEMA this year. Yeah, I guess we'll, <laughs> we'll find out. We'll find some, right? Uh, you know, I think the things that are embarrassing are the shortcuts on builds. Where you see like a really cool build, but it's built kind of crappy. No, but that's not, that's different. But like at SEMA though, that's like you're different. putting your best foot forward and you have lift blocks on your front but axle. No, but, but again, that's not a scene. That's, yeah. that's some guy just being chintzy. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. I mean, it was in the, 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 the late 80s was all the trucks were very, very similar. Yeah. And they were all cut from the same cloth, and yeah. they were all and, and even if you had a crazy graphic scheme or yeah. just all that was light, it. It was the graphics, whatever. right? Like that was sort of what set your truck apart because the build the build sheets were sort of the See, same. See, but my buddy had my buddy uh, had uh, what was his name? Mark. I don't know, but Mark had a tracheotomy, so he talked with through his his neck. No way. And, well, yeah, you're yeah, burying the lead yeah. here. You knew who got the tracheotomy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh. yeah but so, <laughs> but he but he didn't. Um, 
he would have to, he would kind of whisper, do this real thing. It was kind of an interesting, he, it was before they had the vocalizer where you go, hello. Yeah, like, like, no. like the uncle on South Park. Hello, guys. Yeah, no, no, he didn't have that. He had to kind of whisper through through this thing. It was that very odd. Weird, dude. But if you, you'd have to listen and pay attention. So he had Jeez. a lowered S10 that was slammed, all white, uh, super shell. <laughs> we, we filled the whole ass end of it with with you know walk through with eighteens. I think we I think we had nine eighteens back there. Wow! And it was just you'd hear it coming from a quarter mile away, maybe more. And um, I don't know where my story is going, other than that <laughs> didn't have a crazy paint job. Okay, that was just all white. Yeah. And he had um, what were the wheels that everybody yeah. had back then? They were off the 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 uh, the Chira- IROC wheels. Oh yeah, yeah, the, the Camaro IROC wheels. IROC wheels. Yeah, everybody, yeah, all the everybody. S10s had IROC. Every wheels. single one of them because yeah. the same bolt pattern. Yeah, yep. exactly. Wow, there were a lot of a lot of Camaros missing wheels back then, uh, or Camaros that were suddenly parked on blocks for sure. That's what I'm talking yeah. about. And there were a lot of Honda Preludes missing seats. Dude, that was a big deal back then. Yes, it was. And I remember I worked at a Honda dealership and I saw every one of those cars come in and. Hey, somebody sold. You know it was seatless. And toward, isn't that weird to no, come out? The late nineties. Your radio's still in the car, but your right. seats are gone. But do you remember that they started stealing like HID lights and ballasts and stuff like that? Like that was the other big thing. It was sort of like they went from seats and wheels, and they started stealing HIDs. That wasn't as big a deal as the. I think the seat would. Can you imagine coming out? What a violent. It's <laughs> yeah. one thing if your radio's gone, your radio or your sucks, wheels, but, but your, your seats gone. Gone. That's like the way you, you touch your car. You can't even drive your no. car back to the. <laughs> dealer. No, you can't. You'd have to sit on a milk crate or something, you know? <laughs> oh my <laughs> just god. A, just you'd feel so violated and every little Volks lowered Volkswagen I think had oh, yeah. prelude seats. Yeah. And every guy with a, a, a you know entry level Civic had prelude seats. Yep. For whatever reason, the prelude seats were the ones because I think those were the cool seats where it would have the offset headrest where it grew out of the one side of the seat wasn't centered. Right. You know, like so they were just kind of cool that way. And I, there was a cottage industry in at least Orange County, where guys were making this, the rails. Yeah, right. The, it was the uh, the Prelude seat uh, seat Adap- rail kit, adapter kit, yeah. that you could put in your truck, and then you would have Prelude seats. Yeah. And they would just oh, look man. the other way, like, oh, I wonder where you got these seats. Yeah. Man. They're, just, still, they're still molten hot. Well, we just dated ourselves a lot. We did. This whole show has been kind yeah. of a flashback. But you'll always be older than me, so, you know, I'm, gonna, not, I'm living not, vicariously. Not by much. Not by much. <laughs> you, you got less hair than I do, so That's you true. shut up. But you're way uglier. <laughs> like, you have not aged well at all. I mean, there is that. <laughs> I, I'm not going to argue with you. <laughs> all right. Oh. Well, on that note, I guess we'll wrap up this uh, 22nd episode of the Truck Show Podcast. Wow. 22, huh? I uh, know. Hey, hit us with an email. Truckshowpodcast at gmail.com. The Truck And don't forget to uh, hit us up on our socials at Truck Show Podcast and all the important places. What are the important places? Not Twitter. No, no. But we're not on Twitter. Actually, we are, but it's a different handle than everything else. So Facebook and Instagram at Truck Show Podcast. I think on Twitter because it was too long. We had to say at Truck Podcast. Captive touch, not capacitive. Nope, nope. And uh, not parameters either. Parameters.